you're about to listen to another great show on the Four Eyed Radio Network. To listen to other shows just like this, go to foureyedradio.com. Like our show, Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast. Where we talk everything and anything about Pokemon. Learn something new. Like, did you know that every Pokemon card is misprinted on the back? The ball centerpiece opens on the wrong side. <laughs> what? I'm going to have to check that out. But yeah, you can learn stuff like that, which I just learned right now. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. 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 Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? I wouldn't know because my eyes are closed. <laughs> to listen to this show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And we have a bit of business. We have some word snappers words from last week. Thank you to Eric Berry for submitting these wonderful wonderful words that were not difficult to incorporate at all except that they were <laughs> great googly moogly <laughs> i mean i didn't notice that you ever said them so <laughs> i'm i hey i love that because uh i love entries like this that make me feel like i'm really going to have to plan to include them you know what i mean like they're not yeah. obviously connected to anything and I, I it's like its own very specific kind of challenge so the fact that you didn't notice makes me feel really good but when i was doing it i was like oh my gosh <laughs> what am i doing right now that's so good <laughs> so yeah great googly moogly love it love it love it if you would like to submit word snappers words you can do that on our patreon anybody who is a patron at any level can submit word snappers words. So for $1 a month, uh, you could make us say literally whatever you want. As long as it fits into like five-ish words, uh, you can make us say literally anything, which is a lot of power that we are giving you uh -huh. for very little. So <laughs> yeah. if you'd like to do that, that's patreon.com slash walloping web snappers. Cool. This week, we are talking about Spider-Man 2017, the 2017 animated show called... Marvel's Spider-Man. And again, if you would like to watch along with us, you can do that on Disney+. Plus. I love that uh, I love that we're like, we're going to call it this. And then I think every episode we've called it both names, which is fine. Clarity. I just think it's funny because we had a whole conversation about that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but I think it's fair because a lot, there are plenty of places still call it Marvel Spider-Man. So, well, I think nebulous. at the top of the episode is where we tend to clarify it. I yeah. feel like when we talked about it, at least I was talking about it. Like when we get to talking about the 90s show again. I'm not going to say the name of the show five different yeah. ways. I'm literally just going to say 2017, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes <laughs> sense. It's just funny. God, I wish yeah. I wish th things had different names sometimes. But <laughs> they they very much could have called this anything else. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Peter Parker, Spider-Man. 
Peter Parker. Oh, yeah. I would have loved that. Fun fun fact. When I was in high school and I was plotting out what I wanted to be my own live action Spider-Man show that would have been a teen soap. I've talked about Midtown. Many times. It wasn't Midtown <laughs> yet. It was going to be called. I. I. My. My name for it was Peter Parker, comma Spider Man. Because I. Comma Spider Man. Because that's uh That's how. Uh, that's how the comic is. The comic name is. It's Peter Parker, comma Spider Man. I thought it was a colon. Maybe my brain just wanted oh. it to be the case. I think it's. I'm going to Google this to make sure that I'm not haven't been wrong since. I mean, it but. does feel more like a television show thing to do to use like a comma or some sort of like punk like more um oh, did oh did i just shatter You're your right. reality it's a colon <laughs> oh no i need to go back in time and tell my high school self it's a colon not a comma the comma I'm, looks stupid would it drastically change your life <laughs> hmm, hmm. well who knows yeah, you don't know that that comma might hold a lot of weight. Yeah, a lot of weight to it. Who knows? I do think though, if it were a TV show, it would. I mean, a colon would be totally appropriate, but I do think in television, it would be fine. Like, I think it would yeah. look more normal on a television show title than it would on a comic book title. But I'm sure there are comic book titles that use commas. My elevator pitch for that show was: yeah. it's called it's called Peter Parker Spider Man. Because we're focusing on the Peter Parker aspect of Spider-Man. Whoa. 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 I'm sure. Watch out. <laughs> if I produced that series when I was 15, it would have just been fantastic and not just a wholesale Smallville ripoff. Would have been great. <laughs> I do think Peter Parker Spider-Man would work for this show based on what it tries to communicate to you in like its its vision even if it wouldn't necessarily be the most accurate title for the entire product because sure. it is sort of meant to be a back to basics sort of peter parker driven show at least in like where it launches things so i think it would make sense even though pretty quickly you'd realize like well the show is not just about peter parker sure sure anyway now that we've renamed the show <laughs> Uh, I guess we could talk about the actual episode that we are here to discuss, which is Spider-Man 2017 Season 1, Episode 4, A Day in the Life. And the synopsis for this one per IMDb is, Black Cat has gone on a crime spree, and it's up to Spider-Man to halt it, but he also needs to keep up his school obligations. Yes, he does. It's probably the most, most, like, kind of full synopsis that this show has gotten, probably Mm because it's... Pretty simple plot in this one, so. But a lot of stuff happens. A lot of stuff happens, yeah. But <laughs> but over overall, it's pretty yeah. straightforward. Yep. The original air date was September second, twenty seventeen. It was written by Mike Fasolo. He was a writer on Robot Chicken, and I think he was like the main head writer on all of their Star Wars specials. Oh. At least he's credited on all of them. Okay. He also wrote for the Mad Show that Kevin Shinnick wrote for. He also wrote for SpongeBob SquarePants. Hmm. The TV show version of Annoying Orange. Ugh. <laughs> I hate, I hate, like, look, okay, this that's not, it's not like a, a, like, things for a generation younger than me is bad. I just never, like, the Annoying Orange, like, just actually annoyed me even when I was, think like, that's YouTube. fair, considering like, it's literally called Annoying Orange. I know, but, like. I think like, everybody would understand if you were annoyed by it. But, like, you're supposed to, like, I think, find some kind of humor in it being annoying. And I just, like, it just, I could, I never could stand it and was very unhappy when it got an entire TV show. <laughs> and, and also is uh, currently writing for the upcoming sci-fi channel 
um, I guess it's just sci-fi, animated comedy, Devil May Care, which I think is, like, about a social network company that's, like, the dev like the actual like devil works for or it's like involved in hell somehow so i'm sure there's gonna be social commentary in that cool (laughs) (laughs) and this episode was directed by dan duncan who we've talked about before he's the supervising director talked about him on our episode 77 nice well we don't have a ton of actors to talk about this time around this is our first episode where we're mostly playing with the pieces on the board but it still introduces and sets up a lot of stuff, I think, that we could play with later. So uh, that's exciting. But as far as new characters, not too, too many. So Black Cat, as the synopsis mentioned, is in this episode. And she is voiced by Gray Griffin, uh, sometimes credited as Gray Delisle. I believe when we've talked about her, she's been credited as Gray Delisle. But we always call her by both names. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about her before a number of times. We first talked about Gray Griffin as Sally Avril and Betty Brant on our episode 12 when we talked about the first episode of The Spectacular Spider-Man. We talked about her again as the voice of Betty Brant in the Marvel Rising shorts, one of which I think her voice didn't actually make it into but yeah the other one it definitely did so <laughs> she's still in there and she's i mean she's done a metric butt ton of things i mean and she's she's awesome here are a few super recognizable ones she's daphne blake in the scooby-doo franchise and she's been daphne blake in that franchise since 2001 so if nothing else i feel like you would recognize her as daphne blake and i actually think there are a number of moments in this episode where she sounds very much like Daphne. So even uh-huh. if you didn't necessarily realize you knew her, I think you would have that sort of ping in your brain where you're like, I know that voice. Yeah. She also voices Azula in Avatar The Last Airbender and Catwoman in the Arkham video game series, which is fun considering she's Black Cat here. She's a legend. Yes, she is a legend. And, and I think it's appropriate to say so. I think saying anything less would be wrong. Yeah. fun, Fun Black Cat, too. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I I will get to it, but I am excited to see more because as much as she's the focus of this episode, I still think there's a lot left on the table to explore. Oh, yeah. And just to clarify, we got briefly into it at the end of last episode, but we'll get more into it here. John DiMaggio is the voice of Raymond Warren as well as the voice of the Jackal. So we, just because we see Raymond a bunch in this episode, felt like clarifying that. Sure. Yeah, And then we are introduced to one character that I expect we will see again eventually, and that is Alexei Sitsevich, who I would expect to come up again as a student because they are named, but also we know that name from other properties as probably going to become the Rhino or reference the fact that Alexei becomes the Rhino in some way, shape, or form. But we'll see. Yep. Well, let's just get right into this episode. Let's do it. Which opens with Peter waking up many times. <laughs> I feel that, buddy. Yep. <laughs> Just, yep. I liked it. <laughs> I do too. Yeah, I think it's it's good. It's a good opening. It's like he's waking up early, uh, falls back asleep, has to wake up, go to, go to school at like five a.m. Um, to to do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, and passes out while he's working on stuff. Wakes up again. Falls asleep. Wakes up again. So yeah, he's he's a he's a tired, busy boy. Tired boy. Yeah. So he's uh, he's trying to finish his latest project for Doctor Octavius's class. Which will also function as a piece of Spidey gear, which is the Spider Tracer, which I think looks really cool. It's like a little microchip with spider legs on it. I think it's a it's a cool design for him. He uh, he tests a couple of its features, but then realizes he's of course, as Peter Parker often does, lost track of time, and it's like crap. I told Max that I would clean up the lab. I haven't done it yet. Still need to do it. So we cut 
pretty immediately to uh, Peter cleaning. He uh, gives Harry a call to reschedule their usual breakfast plans. And while he's doing that, notices Black Cat in Max's lab. Hey, we're getting right to it. All right. right. There she is. So he's like, okay, well, cool. So he suits up and just confronts her as Spider-Man, just right as she manages to break into some sort of containment unit, holding a canister of black liquid and checks it off of a list which is on her phone. Interesting. Very early. At this point in the episode, it was so early that I was like, is this what I think it's going to be? Uh-huh. And spoiler alert, it is what we think it will be. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so early in the series, and it has a consistency that's different than what I'm used to, mm-hmm. that I was like, is this going to be a fake out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, black goo. All right, we're, yep. we're here. Also funny, because it's just like another spectacular Spider-Man echo is like, yeah. black, cats, black cat stealing, yeah. or at least attempting to steal the symbiote. I was like, weirdly, <laughs> is there, I mean, is there a basis in comics for them to intersect this way? Because I was like, really surprised. I was like, I feel like we've kind of seen this before. And yeah. I wasn't mad about it, but I just was like, what a what an interesting thing to to echo. Like, I guess it's one of those things where, like, I guess in this show, it, it's, been, it's natural for it to happen. If they're going to have the Venom symbiote be some sort of science experiment and the show takes place at Horizon Labs, which is science, and they have a lot of characters intersect with Horizon, or Horizon High, I mean, I guess you would naturally come to the conclusion, well, like, we want to introduce Black Cat. I guess she tries to steal the... Uh, Science experiment, which is the Venom symbiote, I guess. Like, it's just... Well, yeah, I think that last part especially. Like, if you were trying to... If if you want it to be stolen, it's a natural place to go that she's the one who's going to steal it. Mm -hmm. Because, like, who is the most, like, notorious sort of, like, petty thief? It makes sense. It's going to be her. But it's just funny because, like you said, it's such an echo. (laughs) Or if you want to introduce Black Cat and have her be a thief and have her steal something important to the character's... But you're also setting up future storylines. It's like, well, we're going to have the black suit eventually. Maybe the thing she steals is uh, the Venom symbiote, right? Like, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I guess. I don't know if it's as as obvious in that direction. I but I see what you're saying, though. Like, yeah, depending on when they want to introduce the suit. Like, yeah, it, it is very natural. They could have also just watched the Spectacular Spider-Man when it was on and been like, let's just do that. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> we it, like that. <laughs> it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Like, there's yeah. no reason why they didn't just use that to echo it on purpose. Yeah. So, Well, and these shows affect each other. Like, they influence each other. The, the mm-hmm. 90s show very clearly, in many ways, has influenced a lot of Spider-Man content. So, yeah, yeah why not? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, sorry to backtrack. I just I just noticed one of my early notes in the very beginning when Peter is first waking up in his room. There's like, you know, art and stuff on his walls Mm -hmm. like normal. One of the things that I don't get is there's two things that look like on his wall that look like they're just like broken hoverboards or like the tops of skateboards. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know when I noticed that. Maybe it was this episode, but I have noticed that before. It is interesting to me that he has two broken skateboard decks on his wall. I don't know if that's meant to just be a reference to the Amazing Spider-Man movies because we get no indication that this Spider-Man, or this Peter Parker, rather, would go anywhere near a skateboard. No, no. So I don't know. I thought that was interesting, too, because he very much is not a skater, but Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man hadn't was very, very much a skater, like had a whole scene about how he clears his mind and thinks through skateboarding. Right, right. Yeah, so, yeah, that was interesting. But hey, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with taking it just as a reference to that. Yeah. 
All right. So uh, Spidey and Black Cat briefly clash. And of course, you know, while they're fighting in the lab, they're going to create a mess, right? So they create a mess in Max's lab. Uh, when Black Cat realizes that Spider-Man might actually be a pretty capable opponent, she, like, flashes this uh, cat-like glance, like her eyes literally turn into cat eyes and glow for a second. Mm-hmm. Flashes him at Spidey and claims that crossing a black cat is bad luck. So Spider-Man kind of rejects the notion of bad luck, but gets gets a dose of actual bad luck because he uh, endures a number of trip-ups and fumbles, and Black Cat is able to escape with the canister of black goo. Spider-Man does manage to toss a tracer onto her jacket, but then he like accidentally electrocutes himself. So things aren't going great for him. Yes. So, okay, we have to pause because we have to talk about the fact that Black Cat uses this bad luck glance thing. Yeah. Because we've seen a number of versions of Black Cat at this point. We've seen at least, we've seen three, right? Yeah. Well, um, we we haven't seen Felicia Hardy as Black Cat. In oh, the 90s good call. Show, good call. Yeah. So we've seen of, two, but we're familiar with we're familiar yeah. with the '90s one. Yeah. And so this is new for us, at least, like in our in our walloping web snappers sphere. So yeah. What do you think of it? Um, I mean, I know in in the comics at varying points. Mm-hmm. She has had the ability to, like, affect probability to, yep. like, you know, basically create <laughs> the semblance of bad luck. And this is sort of just like a more straight – I mean, I guess you could argue that's still what's happening here maybe and they just don't explain it like that on those terms. So, like, I think it's kind of a clever thing to do because I don't think movies – if movies ever in- include a black cat, they would ever bother to do that. I think that so many iterations have just been like, no, nah, it's cooler if she's just, like – an acrobatic cat lady. So the fact that the show is like kind of digging that out of just kind of digging that out of like the, the, the heap of like black cat stuff that's never been done or that's probably kind of forgotten in some cases. Like, I think that that's kind of neat. Yeah. I think it's, it's uh it is an interesting choice because I do think it is a power that is difficult to portray yeah. in a lot of circumstances. It's similar in a way to Domino's, like, good luck power. Like, Domino's power is good luck, basically, right? And we saw that in Deadpool, but Deadpool felt like the perfect place. The Deadpool movie, I should clarify. We saw that in Deadpool 2, and it was sort of the perfect place to explore that because Deadpool comments by breaking the fourth wall on everything that is happening. So it was the perfect way to really dig in and overanalyze a power that is difficult to portray. I feel like that would be a really difficult power to portray in a lot of settings that don't end up being self-referential and don't break the fourth wall and don't allow Deadpool to directly talk to the audience and like unpack those things together. So I think it is an interesting choice to have something that is her power is good luck and bad luck. Like is because what it does is it sort of immediately makes you question if that's even a power, kind of like yeah. Deadpool does, right? This show tackles it by giving it a very distinct signifier by having her do the, like, cat eye thing, which mm-hmm. I think is smart based on, like, who this show is trying to appeal to as far as, like, a wide audience. Sure. So if, you know, you and I could probably figure it out even if they didn't do that and sort of, like, discuss it from a certain perspective. But if you do want a six-year-old to be able to watch this and understand, I think it makes sense for them to choose to actually show it on screen in a certain way. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was really interesting because you don't have to do that. So many, so many uh, you know, pieces of media don't, and it's a hard thing to sort of portray. So 
I don't know. Kudos for even doing it. I think. I think so too. I I actually I think we're you know we'll get to it by the end of the episode, but I think I land on liking the choice because I think that it yields a lot of a lot of ways to do physical comedy. They get to do a lot of that in the show because sure. she's making Spidey a big klutz, right? I do like introducing a character with a really nebulous power in a show that up to this point has been so grounded in science and Peter understanding the world through science that when he has to run into something where it is so kind of nebulous and ambiguous of like what it is, like, is this some weird magic thing? Like is luck an actual like calculatable force that exists? Like it's, (laughs) and, and, and the episode doesn't land. The episode keeps it ambiguous by the end. It doesn't land on that. So like, I sort of (laughs) like that. And I think that that might be a precursor to like, if, if the show ends up introducing magic characters, later on i don't know if it does i assume that it probably does but i don't know if it does right um so if it introduces magic later on that's another thing that peter will have to deal with is understanding the world through a very strict scientific lens then having to interact with characters with powers that he just can't comprehend or can't explain and like how do you deal with that and i think this is sort of that on a a smaller scale because like maybe you could explain it with science but like he never figures out how to because it's so nebulous I, i just i like that i think that's actually kind of fun yeah, I, I'm with you on sort of the first part of what you were saying about, like, I love the idea of introducing a power that can't easily be described scientifically, because that makes sense. I mean, you're in a superhero world, like, let people just have powers that are fucking weird and acknowledge that they're weird because of what the show is trying to do and because of who Peter Parker is. It's basically taking that piece from the first origin short of, like, chance Mm-hmm. and putting a spin on it and then introducing it as an obstacle, right? I love that. I'll have more to say about the actual sort of like science versus luck at the end of the episode sure. once it's all plays out because like I like the idea of introducing it. I don't necessarily think I like what they do with it over the course of the episode, but I have some problems. I have some criticisms. <laughs> I like but the I idea love that of... it's here. Yeah. And I love what it means for Peter Parker as, as a certain type of character. Yeah, I agree. I, I, <laughs> I also, yeah, I'll have some criticism to point out. We're probably, it's probably going to be the similar or the same. I like where it, where it lands in the broad sense, but some of the stuff is sort of like, eh, could have tightened that a little bit. We'll get to it. Love the ramifications. Not sure I love the ep- execution in this episode. Yeah, yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get, we'll get yes. to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It's going to come up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, she's able to escape. And uh, Spidey is able to free himself from the electric shock. But obviously, Black Cat is, is long gone. He crawls away and uh, returns to Ma- Max's office to wait there as Peter. Max returns. Obviously, there's a bunch of damage there from the battle. And Peter's like, wow, weird freak earthquake, right? And Max is like, <laughs> Max is like, you know, I wanted you to like clean my lab, not make it worse, Peter. But all right. Like he clearly, like he, he knows Peter's lying, which I don't, I don't know uh-huh. why Peter lied. Why didn't he say he spotted a thief uh-huh. come in and steal your, steal your stuff? I have a couple questions. One of them is that. <laughs> One of them is exactly that. <laughs> it's this. It's. I feel this. I feel a similar way to Peter lying to Aunt May about like getting not like not telling her that he got a job, like lying by, by omission. It's different here, obviously, but it's the same kind of thing where it's like I don't understand Peter's thought process in choosing to lie. Like I don't see how lying in the scenario is really protecting him in any way because he literally can just say I saw Black Cat come in. 
steal this. I also saw Spider-Man fighter and that he went chasing Exactly. After yeah. I, I'm bothered by this because I think it is a situation where the writers make him lie so that they can tell their story a very particular way. But it doesn't really make that much sense. Like, <laughs> I don't love that. Because you're right. He could just say, I saw, you know, I was cleaning and I saw this weird thief, like, trying to steal your stuff. Spider-Man came in and they broke a bunch of things and, like, they just left. Like, I was about to call you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you could have just done that. It would have been fine. I don't even know if it would have affected the episode all that much. But I I, it, it creates have. some stakes. It cre- Like, this episode is called A Day in the Life because it explores a number of facets of Peter Parker's life against the backdrop of Spider-Man or vice versa or whatever. They kind of backdrop each other. So I get that it's trying to create a very specific situation, which we end up – it ends up paying off-ish – but I do think it's it's at the expense of the relationship between Peter and Max. And it probably won't affect things the way that it should. So we'll see. Yeah. The other thing that I find very, very strange about this, and I, I think I'm looking too much into it. I think if this show, and we don't know yet, we're, we're so early on in the show, right? So hard to tell. But <laughs> if this show were a different show, I would immediately think Max is not taking this seriously. Max probably knows that Peter is Spider-Man. I don't think that's what they're doing here. But it is very strange that Peter Parker blatantly lies to Max. Max very clearly does not believe him. And it's broadcast to us plain and clear. Like, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I'm not saying he couldn't know that he's Spider-Man. And I would love a situation where he does. I don't think we're there yet, though. I think that if they were doing that, I think that they would have made it more explicit in the way that they did with George Stacy in Spectacular Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> did you know he know I mean? he was Spider-Man? We'll never know. <laughs> you definitely, Sorry. Definitely Sorry. Know. Yeah, <laughs> definitely did. Like, uh, yeah, I, I know. But it's like, I, I think that they would have made it more explicit if that was the case. I think it would be too subtle. I, I really think that they just kind of weirdly wrote themselves into a corner that they didn't need to. Right, and that's why I feel like it's a little weird, and that's why I said, like, maybe if this were a different show, I would yeah. feel strongly about that. But I still thought about it, because I did think it was weird that he so obviously lies to Max, and Max does not seem to care. Yeah, There is an element of possibility where Max just gets Peter, and so, like, doesn't push Peter, or or maybe any of his students, in, a, in, in certain ways, right? Like, we do see certain certain things about max that make me believe he could be the kind of mentor that just like lets things play out and if they are not if if they can be fixed he provides the opportunity for people to fix it right which i think you know their next interaction sort of makes me think maybe that's what's going on because this happens very shortly again where i think it's obvious peter is lying to max and max just rolls with it yeah i guess because like it is a science school for geniuses so he probably is just like he walks into his office and it's like Peter made some stupid like machine that blew up like all these kids always do. And then it didn't want me to know about it. So he lied about it. So it's just like, all right, whatever, just do it. Like, I, I, I think I could see that. I kind of like that. I don't, I still think it was a weird writing choice, but I think in I universe, in universe, if I'm trying to rationalize it and justify it, I can get behind that a little more that he's just like weird shit happens every day because of all these, like all these, you know, wayward science geniuses, I trust that Peter will work this out, whatever is going on. Yeah. And if he, if he doesn't, I trust that he will ask me for help. Right. I think both of those things are possibilities. The show has not 
indicated we are supposed to believe either of those things yet and maybe won't yeah i think it was <laughs> but just a we'll mistake, see but i think yeah. what happens next makes me feel even stronger that we're not supposed to believe that because here's the thing max doesn't believe him right and he notices that the the containment unit is open and that the canister is missing and he straight up asks peter hey where did my v252 go <laughs> and peter sort of like it clicks he's like oh shoot that thing that black cat stole is the V-252 that Max is asking me about. And he lies to Max again and says, oh, I put the canister in the vault to keep it safe while I was cleaning your lab. I don't want anything to happen to it. Max does not question this at all. and he, Which initially maybe is fine. But he further explains, Max does, that that canister was like his pet project and it was a substance provided to him by the Space Administration <laughs> and that he's so close to stabilizing the material that he's like anticipating he'll be able to add the next element to the periodic table of elements. Yikes, so it a is deal. a big deal. It is a huge deal. Oh, yep. And then on top of that, Peter says, don't worry, Max. I promise to have it to you by the end of the day. End of the Why day? Why the end of the day? Go get it now if it's in the vault. So that's the thing that makes me feel like, okay, it's probably not. <laughs> it, we're probably not meant to believe and again i'm over exploring this but i just want to explore it yeah we're probably not meant to believe that max just lets students make mistakes and fix them because this is a massive mistake right uh-huh. and then the fact that he says i'll get it to you by the end of the day max is not stupid he he has to know as a as a as a human not saying it's written this way but as a human he has to know peter is lying if it is in the vault he can go get it now. And yeah. Max is just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. What? Yep. <laughs> Peter doesn't make an excuse. Like, I have to run and do this one thing first and then I'll have it to you. No, he's like, I'll have it by the end of the day. Bye. Like, right. Exactly. Like, no, not question. like I have to yeah. get to Dr. Octavius's class. Not I have a study group. Not this, that, or the other. Like, just I'll go get it and it'll be back here in hours. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. So, which, okay. And that's that's actually... That was that was when I thought, okay, maybe he knows that he's Spider-Man. Again, I still don't think it's strong enough. I think you're right. We would get some indication. So I don't know. I do think I agree with you. It's a weird writing thing. I think it's just not written well in this moment, but I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I would love I would love to um love for him to have figured out Peter's Spider-Man. Um, Especially so quickly. <laughs> yeah, I think we I mean, you know, Peter literally does all of his Spider-Man inventions in the lab that's given to him by Horizon High. Like Yeah. I could believe that Max could put the pieces together. And Max but, has heard Spider-Man speak. Yeah. I so I would I would love it if that was the case. I will gladly eat every single word that we've said about oh, the writing if I'll that feast. turns out to be the case. Yeah. Would love it. Be Me too. ecstatic. I just don't expect that to happen. Yeah. I think this was all underwritten so that they can tell the story they want to tell. And it's unfortunate because it comes at the expense of Max. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Max does, he, he doesn't, he doesn't call out Peter on his obvious lie, but he does remind him that, uh, that Peter agreed to help him with uh, Harry's investigation later that day. So P- Peter's like, I promise I will be on time. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And of course, all of our flags are like, <laughs> <laughs> what's going to go wrong in this situation? Uh-huh. <laughs> So in the hallway, Peter runs into Dr. Octavius, like literally, of course, he's going to bump into the the teacher who hates him, the teenage yep. teacher who hates him. 
And the reason he does is because he's actually preoccupied with tracking Black Cat on his phone, which is a thing that will come up multiple times in this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, Octavius just assumes that Peter is frantically running around the lab trying to finish his project for his class. Uh, But Peter says, actually, it's mostly finished. Uh, Mostly finished. Uh, (laughs) Keyword mostly. He also says that Octavius is going to love it. And Octavius is like, love has no place in... I can't do the Octavius. I'm not even going to try to do an Octavius uh, impression. Parker. Parker. Yeah, not not working. Um, uh, Octavius responds that love has no place in science and that Peter should remember that. Yikes. Okay. I really, really want... I really, really want this to mean something. The fact that Octavius is clearly bothered... By the word love, and that he basically rejects the idea that love has any place in science, which is the thing that he preoccupies himself and is obsessed with, I want this to mean something so bad. I do, but I also am afraid for what it would mean if it meant something, because here's the thing. I know. If if this was an older Octavius, <laughs> I could see them doing like a Spider-Man two riff where he like lost his wife in a science experiment or something. Yeah, toss in another dimension or whatever. Right, because Which he's isn't a, isn't perfect even as that. Sure, it's not perfect, but I could like get behind it because at least like there's precedent for it and stuff. And right, right, right. You know, whatever. Given that he's like kind of a snotty teenager who clearly who seems like they're trying to suggest in his first appearance, they were trying to suggest that he has kind of an inferiority complex in some way. I would be really nervous that it's like a Severus Snape situation and he's just lusting after another girl (laughs) that turned him down and she was a scientist (sighs) girl and and maybe she turned him down because he's too much of a nerdy scientist. I'm really, really, really worried that that's what that's implying if it goes in that direction. I'm with you. And I very much do not want it in that direction. I know. know. I'm with you. I'm with you. I really want it to be significant because I want – I want the story where Otto Octavius is like a soft human and is hurt, right? Yeah. But but I don't want it the way that you're describing, in which you also don't want. Like, yes, I don't want that. Like, I don't want to sever a Snape here. I don't want just like I'm a I'm a pining nerd. You know what I mean? Like that's I'm that's not what I want. <laughs> feeling, I know that like these are all it's all conjecture because we've gotten so little of him. But like the little of him that we've gotten, I'm feeling a lot of red flags. And maybe I'm feeling it for him so much because, like, we both like like the general Otto Octavius as a character. So yeah. I, like, don't want him to be messed up with, like, stuff that we <laughs> – We're protective, okay? <laughs> aggressively do not like, um, especially yeah. if it's, like, gross nerd shit. I, so I, I'm just feeling those red flags, and I'm hoping that I'm wrong and hoping that I'm just, like, being too cynical about it. I don't know, but the red flags are there. I think it's worth mentioning because I think it's a very real possibility. So, like, let's get ahead of it and say we don't want it, right? Mm-hmm. But I also will point out we were very worried that, like, short jokes were going to be, like, the thing. We did not and do not get any short jokes in this episode. Yeah, true. So, hey, we were worried about that. It could still happen, but in this episode it doesn't. Yeah, good point. Good point. Good point. <laughs> doesn't mean I'm not afraid to be optimistic. I'm still a little afraid. <laughs> so much could go wrong with Octavius. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I hope I just I hope that I'm not giving the show enough credit by seeing those as red flags. That's that's my hope. We'll see. I don't I'm know. Open with you. Truly, do not know. <laughs> it's just it's so obvious a moment. You know what I mean? And I yeah. think I think if nothing comes of it. I will be disappointed. I guess based on what we talked about last week, I can't say I'd be 100% surprised because they do sometimes 
present things in a spotlight that don't necessarily come to fruition, but this feels very, very, very spotlighted. So we'll see. Yep. So shortly after this run-in with Octavius, we cut to a computer lab where Peter is making progress tracking Black Cat, but his work is interrupted by Miles and Anya, who sort of pop in over his shoulder and ask, what are you doing? (laughs) He's sort of surprised by this because he's like lost in his work, and he replies that he's still tweaking his project for Dr. Octavius. Miles ends up warning him about how Octavius reacts to being disappointed, which I also think is a thing and um, could very easily play into what we don't want. Sure. Uh, But we'll see. Yep. (laughs) And uh, and so Miles is basically just like, you better nail it. There's a funny, very dated joke uh, about being on fleek and Peter not knowing what that means. No one says that anymore. Like three years later, no one was saying it literally six months later, but I love it simply because it is like this weird little time capsule into 2017. (laughs) Probably more honestly, like 2016. This is probably even a little bit late. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I have to, yeah, I I guess I have to get my fleek on. (laughs) It's cute. Yep. Like I, yeah, it's dated, but it's cute. I, you know, I didn't mention this when we first, mentioned the the spider tracers i agree with you i like the design of the spider tracers i like the way that they are working um they're very grounded but i also think that because they end up being so grounded it's really funny to think that peter parker genius at genius school who is making a project for genius 19 year old is basically just making like a keychain tracker like for your keys (laughs) like i guess i guess what the um i know I feel like the thing that's innovative about it isn't the GPS, obviously. The thing that's innovative about it is, like, the fact that it easily can stick to something, I guess. And it's just sort of like, well, what use could I have for that? Oh, I guess I'll just – I can just say it's a GPS tracker. But the, the sticky technology, whatever it is, could theoretically be used for many things. And he just chooses to use it for GPS. That's the only hmm. way that will justify it because it is so silly. So you think the project is more the actual adhesive than it is the – the GPS. I, th- I mean, it's the show doesn't spell it out like that. The show keeps calling it an innovative GPS tracker. But I do think that the well, stickiness oh, is what's cool. If he's able to do this without the use of satellites, that's a huge deal. Oh. Because GPS relies on satellites. I didn't so think about a, that. If, if this is a self-contained global positioning device, that's a huge deal. That And you know what? So maybe Actually... That I think that solves it because that explains a lot of the weird science mumbo jumbo later on where it's just like, you've just got to replace the battery, like take off your shell. And it's like, that doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> but if it's all self-contained and not using satellites and doing something else in his, like if it all is contained in the device that he is carrying. Which would make sense since he intends to use it as Spider-Man, a costumed vigilante. Yeah, like you wouldn't want to be tracked via GPS satellites, which you would be if you're using other people's satellites. That makes a lot of sense. Like, I don't, you know, the science behind it, it's all sci-fi stuff, but like the idea behind it, and it sort of explains all of that actually. So that, I like that. That works. Yeah. I think we did that work, but I'm happy with the work we just did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So anyway, (laughs) back to this conversation with Miles and Anya. They, they, they're there pretty much just to remind Peter, hey, we have a study group later. Are you still showing up? And Peter promises that he will be there. So promise number two. Well, actually promise number three because he made plans with Harry for lunch. So Peter is able to trace Black Cat to definitely not an Apple store, just a, just a white 
futuristic looking cell phone store. Where everybody's waiting in line outside. (laughs) People are waiting in line outside for the brand new phone. He finds her facing off with a pair of police officers. So the officers shout that she's stolen a new prototype phone. Why is just a random not Apple store carrying the prototype phone? I don't know. Thank you. Special preview thing they're doing maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the geniuses in the back are the ones making the prototype. That's that's how I mean that's how Apple works. If you go to an Apple store, it's actually an entire factory, and the geniuses, mm-hmm. the genius workers, are physically making every single phone. Yeah, that's what they're doing back there. That's why it always takes so long for them to meet you. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? <laughs> that's a, as good of an explanation as anything. I'm not headcanoning reality surrounding the Apple store. <laughs> I will not make excuses for them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, so we see her, we, we see her checklist again, I think. But either way, th- this phone is one of the items on the checklist. The checklist we yeah. saw at the beginning of the episode, all of those things are things that she will be getting to throughout this episode. So she's yes. just got her whole little shopping list, basically. Yeah, um, it's a quick glance at the checklist at the top of the episode. But if you do stop, you can you see that that everything on that list is something she eventually gets to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Spidey shows up. He he kind of reminds himself to not look into Black Cat's eyes. He does anyway. She still flashes, <laughs> flashes. Her, I mean, you, you how how could you not? You see glowing cat eyes. You're gonna look at him, right? So mm-hmm. she flashes her cat eyes, and that causes Spidey uh, to accidentally web up the two police officers instead of her. I think he has like this little moment where he's like, "I'm sorry, it's not my fault." Oh, I mean, I guess it was, but uh, bye. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I like it. So Black Cat manages to escape again because Spider-Man is fumbling over this this webbing and, and you know, the officers. I think he tries to, like, web her in, too, but ends up, like, knocking down a cardboard wall or something. Like, it's just another hot mess. And on top of the sort of, like, bad luck hot mess of it all, Black Cat takes advantage of the fact that there are a bunch of people waiting outside, opens the door, and just shouts, Free phones! Free phones! And everybody is a criminal and runs inside and grabs technology from the Apple store. God. I'm sorry, the not Apple store. <laughs> uh, it would, that's how it would be, though. Like, I, I, I have, I'm confident in myself that I wouldn't just run into a store when someone's shouting free phones because obviously that's not real. <laughs> but I None of those phones would work. They're all display phones. Exactly. <laughs> Like, what do you think? You've got to have it all set up. Like, what do you think's going to happen, y'all? But I fully believe it's like that stealing a gift card, right? I fully believe that people are stupid enough that if that happened, there are going that there would be okay. people running in though. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's it's like you know that's like all every Black Friday is people is being stupid about that shit. Yeah. So like I, I get. I that's think true. it would happen, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's insult to injury, really, because she was getting away no matter what. But it does slow Spider-Man down. Yeah. And so she's gone by the time he actually gets outside. When he does get outside, though, there's one member of the crowd who's like, hey, I know you. You're that spider guy. And then he asks for an interview for his school newspaper. And Spider-Man's like, no, I can't do that. Oh, wait, interview. I promised Max I would help him with interviews. Which I kind of like that this is like a common thing with Peter Parker and the way that they like set up these situations where a seemingly unrelated situation reminds him of something he committed to. Cause we saw that in the pilot episode too. Yeah, they do that a lot. And actually they do that a bit in the last episode. They have like fun sometimes, sometimes like it's, it's just direct like that. Other times they do like some fun wordplay where someone will be like, not every superhero gets like great reception. And then he's like, Oh, I forgot about the reception at Osborne Academy. Like they, every episode has had that to a certain extent. 
They do it a lot, though, because th- that's what happens here is he says interview and that's what he, he literally mm-hmm. was reminded, like, you're helping me with interviews. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying is that that happens, like, it, whether it's like a wordplay thing or it's just directly like we said the word and then that made you think of the thing that's actually happening. Either yeah, way, yeah, like, yeah. they do it a lot, um, which I'm fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with it, actually. I think it's kind of a fun, like, running game. I don't either. I don't think it has gotten to a point where it feels unnatural to anything happening you know what i mean like does there happen to be a guy outside the store who asks him about an interview yeah but he's also spider-man standing outside of a store so like okay fine like it doesn't feel that unnatural (laughs) as far as running gags go i'm here for that i think it's actually really fun um yeah you know you're always gonna have peter late for something because of living life as spider-man so of course it's gonna happen might as well have some fun with it right cool and it and it means that peter I don't know why I like this, but I do. It also means that Peter isn't in a constant state of like just trying to get to the next thing because he's fully aware of the next thing. It's like he's hyper-focused on yeah. whatever he's doing and has to be reminded like, oh, fuck, that's right. Well, it weirdly becomes... I don't know, something about that I really like. I think it's because it, it becomes a character beat for Peter. Like, this is something that I think separates him from a lot of other Peter Parkers is that he is he's not a constant warrior or constantly like being anxious over the thing that he's trying to do. He is super, this is a very particular Peter where he is super, super, super hyper-focused on mm-hmm. his thing. He's not just late because of his circumstances. Oftentimes he's late just because he legitimately forgot and was not even remotely thinking of yeah. the thing that he has to do next. I think that it works. It, it, they've set him up to be yeah. that kind of character. I think it opens up a lot of possibilities, too, for me not to be annoyed in the future if he does just blatantly forget something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because they've set it up so he just forgets shit all the time because he's always focused Mm -hmm. on what's in front of him. Yeah. Yeah, good writing, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I'm into it. So back at Horizon High, Peter is racing to get to these interviews with Max, and he bumps into Gwen and her uncle, who we saw very briefly at the end of last episode. Uh, Gwen introduces her uncle as Raymond Warren. And Peter recognizes him as Professor Warren from Empire State. The same Professor Warren who's... And then he cuts himself off, realizing that whatever he was about to say next might be rude. Which I think is a good way to keep something from the audience. Because it works in-universe as well, right? Like, it's not one of those moments where somebody's just being like, Is that so-and-so who... Whisper, whisper, whisper. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which always annoys me. But I think this is really clever. It's sort of a, a similar vein to what they do with Max... Uh, where they just sort of are like hinting at something that's happening, but never really getting into it because in universe it would be like uncouth to do so. Yeah, well, well, I and, like that. And in this case, we like learn more about it like pretty soon anyway. So I think True. it kind yeah, of clues yeah. you in like this isn't a thing we're going to string you along on forever. Like you're going to learn more more about it pretty soon. Yeah. It widens the universe, too, because if Peter knows about that, it's not like this weird inside hush-hush thing. Like, yeah. It informs sort of Professor Warren's circumstances. Yeah, it means that there was an actual controversy, and it's also yeah. like it's 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 wild that I think the way the way the show has kind of set itself up now, it could just be a side effect of like establishing characters of the history. But like basically every single like major adult figure outside of Aunt May has been involved in some kind of like controversy in some way some somehow. weird corporate scandal <laughs> yeah there's been some kind of scandal or multiple scandals that have involved like every single adult we have been introduced to which is really interesting and it's kind of like a fun i mean it's sort of like a fun like 
never meet your heroes slash like the older generation always has secrets and stuff like <laughs> kind of like you know teen yeah. teen power kind of thing like it's kind of fun um and it's not unrealistic because it's still a bubble right like it's yeah. every adult we meet but every adult we're meeting is inside the same sphere of like elite scientists yeah and if the show is trying to even if maybe broadly have conversations about like how you ethically and properly like use science for good versus how you use science for bad or for selfish means. Like it makes sense to have like all of these adults that are in Peter's life or at least in his orbit that have made mistakes or, or, or something or, or been involved in mistakes or done something bad yeah. or bit or, or done something that resulted in something bad. Like it mm-hmm. makes sense for the conversations that I'm sure they're going to be having more of later. Totally. It's also worth mentioning that this is officially where we learn that this is Raymond Warren. We we could draw that conclusion at the end of last episode because Jackal, Raymond, Miles Warren, etc. Yeah. Um, but it's worth calling out here because this is in the show where we actually sort of are learning that this is a Warren. You mentioned last episode that, you know, if you're watching the show and you're wondering, like, why is this Raymond Warren and not Miles, who in most other iterations, if not probably all other iterations mm-hmm. is the brother that turns into the jackal. Well, this is a show where Miles Morales also exists. So if you've got a Warren brother, why not just switch, switch, which one it is. So you don't have two miles. Yeah. I think it makes sense. <laughs> makes sense. Yep. Although you, you also hinted or even, I, I don't think you hinted. I think you just straight up mentioned it. Like, it is a little bit weird to make them related to Gwen based on other iterations of Gwen, yeah. but but I am confident nothing of the sort will touch no. this because this is modern Gwen. Yeah, absolutely. No, <laughs> this yeah, is the, the thing new is, Gwen. If you don't know, like in the comics, basically Miles Warren like cloned Gwen because he was so in love with her, even though yeah. he was her prof- college professor and she was a student. So like gross all around. Well, and that's the other thing. It's gross, but also, and, and I'm not saying it's not gross for this reason, but- She's also an adult. Like she's a she's a college student and there's still an imbalance in power there. Yeah. But like it not, would be yeah. even grosser <laughs> because this is a, a situation where Gwen is in in high school. So that's what I'm saying like we're bringing it up and the show never would have. <laughs> yeah, like just like Spectacular never did. Like Miles and and Gwen were both in that show too. Yeah. And that predated Spider-Gwen, but she was in high school. Like, it, yeah. they were never going to do it. They weren't. I, I do think, I think it's just, it's worth acknowledging because a lot of people watching this show would, would know that prior history. And it is right. gross when you think about when they, like, I understand connecting these two characters because they are connected in a way in the original comics. I do think it is a choice and I don't know if I like the choice, but I get why yeah. they do it. I do wish that maybe they'd thought through it a little bit and if they wanted to have him related to someone, have him related to someone who he wasn't in love with in the comics because yep. it's weird. Exactly. They, it's, uh, you they, put it perfectly. Yeah. Like, they're connected through history. That doesn't mean they needed to be connected now because of the history. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But again, very confident it'll never come up in the show. That's fully an outside of the show conversation that I think is worth mentioning, like you said. But yeah, it was a choice. This was certainly a choice. I I, I wish that they thought that through a little bit more. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this is Raymond Warren, aka the Jackal. All right, so kind of like we said, Peter Peter is is, uh, is with Gwen and Raymond. He redirects his thought process to Gwen. Raymond shares that he's uh, proud of Gwen and indicates that her work in genetics 
specifically in DNA and gene splicing, is brilliant, hmm. rivaling his own. Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, maybe she'll splice some spider DNA. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Means we also know what her specialty at Horizon High is, which we didn't technically know before. That's true. Yeah. Before it was, she was just the smart leader girl that everyone was yeah. either looked <laughs> up to or was afraid of. <laughs> Actually, this speaks to your point last episode about like scientists in this show are just kind of always good at all science. Yeah. And, you know, you can make the argument that they're all geniuses. So like there's probably some familiarity with like basic sciences. But Gwen is introduced initially by presenting a physics solution to Spider-Man. Then she brags, not brags, that's a little strong, but she takes credit for a chemistry solution to a problem. And then after those two things, she's actually introduced as like a geneticist. So (laughs) she's like demonstrated her ability in physics and chemistry. And then, oh wait, actually she's a geneticist, which I like because I get why they're doing it. But it is, it is funny. It's like, what's she going to be? What's she going to be? <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't fault the show for it. I, I, If I fault them for anything, it's just not breaking away from what is a very standard like trope that exists, that has existed for a very long time across all media, where it's just like, scientists are good at science. That's all where it stops. Science. All science. <laughs> every science you could think of, except like the only sciences that they're not good at are like soft sciences, like psychology and sociology. But any hard science, no, they know everything. <laughs> they're good at everything. It's just all science. Yep. You know, and it's just a product of like writers being humanities people and arts people who aren't very right. familiar with science most of the time. So like, right. it's fine. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's, I think it's worth pointing out considering how, how very heavily heavy on the science stuff this show is intentionally trying to be that it's like, they're still doing that age old science thing. Yeah. It's a trope. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. It's not like harmful. It's just stupid. <laughs> it's Well, it's, it's not, I mean, it's not super harmful, but it does create a, I mean, most people are not scientists, right? So like the writers of this show are not scientists, but most people watching the show aren't scientists. And most people watching most shows and properties that lean on that trope are also not scientists. So even Mm. though it's not like super duper harmful in the way that a lot of other tropes might be, it still sort of causes harm in the sense that it creates a incorrect understanding of what scientists are and do true and and i think presents an unrealistic expectation of yes sort of like quote lay people of scientists and it sort of muddies things up a little bit it creates sort of like heroes out of scientists in a way that and, and i'm not saying they're not heroes but it creates this almost like um maybe superhero <laughs> right this sort of like unrealistic hero of a scientist where it's like, well, why couldn't you this? Or why don't you know this or whatever? Yeah. And then it just, I don't know. It kind of like sets scientists who are often just normal people sort of sets them up for, uh, for uh, failure that is not actually failure. Well, and also know? when it's, when it's a kid's show, you're sort of shaping kids, kids expectations. Like it's like for something like this, which any superhero show, I think to an extent is meant to be kind of aspirational, right? Like it's trying yeah. to, teach good lessons and morals to kids. So like kids watching this show are going to be like, well, I like chemistry, but I don't feel like I'm good at any other science. So I guess that means I'm not a good scientist. So I'm just going to not pursue that. Like, I think that that's a thing that you could think theoretically, you know, without that understanding that like, if I'm not good at everything, then I'm probably just not cut out for science when that's not the case. Every scientists are usually pretty squarely in a specialty. So 
Yeah, my hope is that as the show develops and as these characters develop and we get to know them more, and as we spend more time in Horizon High, they allow characters to not know something and then lean on the character who does know it, right? So Mm, if they're talking genetics, Miles could very easily sit there and say like, what are you like what does this mean i don't understand this gwen steps in right gwen doesn't understand something physics related i don't think the show is going to allow gwen to not understand anything but we'll see but then you would have miles step in and be like well this is how physics is you know yeah it would be nice if they really did that so that each each member was contributing their strength and other characters were allowed to not be quote smart in certain circumstances Dude, you know what I would love? That would be such a great solution for having a show full of spider people with similar or the same spider powers. But the way that you differentiate them working as a team is that they still each have a specialty. Like, I am the spider person that can solve this particular problem with with my particular science specialty. Yeah, that's true. That does solve, like, a problem. Yeah, yeah. Of like having to like because when you have a when you have a cast you want them to be different you want them to offer different things and at face value if they're all spider people you're right they have similar power sets if not the same power sets depending on how they tackle it and so like yeah that is perfect oh I hope they do that I, I hope, hope they so. I hope they really let these characters shine in their specific ways yeah <laughs> yep we'll find out eventually if it pl- goes yep. plays that way. Um, Gwen is the one that I'm worried about most because they have presented her thus far like you mentioned last week as like. The one who, and this, it could blow up. They could do some really cool stuff with it. But like the one who kind of knows everything and is like, I could do this and I could do it better than you, regardless of what the context is. They could play with that or that could just like continue to be her being a character that has no flaws at all, which is a problem. Which is exactly, exactly. So yeah. Okay. So yeah, we learned that she's a, a geneticist basically. And we learned this because Raymond is like super proud of her and is like, Hey, look what she can do. And that's sort of like caps their conversation because peter has a place to be and so does raymond so peter and raymond proceed to max's office where peter introduces raymond as max's first interview which actually kind of like caught me off guard i don't know why i didn't expect that to be the case (laughs) probably because like they didn't really set that up (laughs) right but yeah so that i mean that's it's convenient that they ran into each other i guess Mm -hmm. (laughs) this next part i don't I, I like parts of it and I don't like other parts of it. And it's one of the things that that is poking me as far as like, this is probably going to be a pattern. <laughs> and we've already identified some things. So just keep that in mind as we talk about these beats. So as Max and Raymond begin talking in this interview, Peter notices an output level control circuit on Max's desk and asks to borrow it. Max agrees. And so Max and Raymond continue their conversation, but Peter, who was there to help with the interview, just works in the corner on his project. Really weird. Very weird. Very, very weird. Just integrating the control circuit into his tracing project, which I understand why he's doing that. Like, I understand, like, why that is being done, but part one of what I think is feeding into the pattern that I'm not loving is that they have established that Peter is there to help with the interview, and that he very explicitly does not help, and no one reacts to that. Yeah. <laughs> it is very clearly not a problem and not distracting. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Which is weird. It's weird. <laughs> I do kind of remember, like, in high school, like, especially, like, you know, freshman year or sophomore year or something, like, the kinds of kids who, I don't know, scenarios where, like, the teacher kind of liked the weird kid and, like, you know, was tolerant of them. But also, like, didn't really, like, I, I don't know. I kind of remember, I feel like I've I've seen situations like this where the teacher's like, hey, can you help with this? And then the kid's, like, off 
in their own little world doing their own thing and the Heishu's just like, whatever. Like, I guess that's a thing that, like, well, I don't know. I don't know why I'm thinking that. Would, just, that just jogged a memory in me. No, no, no. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And it plays into the potential idea that Max lets these science kids just do their thing. And, like, yeah. if they have an idea, they pursue it. If they start working on something, don't interrupt or get in the way. Inspiration strikes, let it happen, right? Yeah. It, it could be that. But the fact that him doing that, when it has been established that he's there to help, and they they don't acknowledge the fact that he doesn't help, no one reacts to the fact that he doesn't help. Yeah. That, to me, is what makes me, again, feel like it's probably not that. Yeah. Or the show isn't communicating strongly enough that that's what the case is. Like, I think we can draw those conclusions. I just don't know if the show is giving us that conclusion to draw. <laughs> yeah, if it, you know, I think you're right. I think if it was really doing, I think, like, I'm almost giving it a little too much credit. Like, if it was doing that, I, it would make it more clear if it was doing it. And at this stage, like, it, it this, it's come up multiple times where it's sort of like, we're kind of doing a lot of work to kind of draw these conclusions that are not clear at all, at all which is, you know, not great in either direction we, yeah exactly we're drawing a lot of conclusions when we don't have to because in this exact conversation it's not like okay it's not like a situation where the animation can't support the amount of subtle interactions or behaviors that they want to portray that's not the case because as this conversation is happening they show peter glance over at them they show the way that max reacts to peter when he says something there's lots of subtle nonverbal communication. So it's not like they couldn't do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's interesting. I feel like, I don't feel like I've done five episodes into this show. Now I don't feel like on this podcast, we've done so much work to like come to conclusions for a show since like maybe Spider-Man unlimited. You know? I was going to say we drew a lot of conclusions for unlimited. So that's probably the closest comparison. Yeah. Which but I, in that one, it felt very, I don't know. It still felt different for some reason. Well, because it was because... in a completely different, wild, weird world okay, that yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah. deeply explored. Like, and so it was a lot of sci-fi conclusions. Yeah, this drawing. is way more grounded. <laughs> it's way more grounded, and a lot of the a lot of the things we're pulling are sort of like from characterization, like stuff mm-hmm. that I think should be complete, com, com, you know, convey a little better. And I think it's it's weird because like having to do all that work doesn't make this like quote unquote bad or anything, right? Like, and it doesn't even make it like a failure of writing or whatever in the same way that like you watching something, you're just like, they just didn't even fucking try. This was lazy. This was a mess. It's different here because I think like we keep seeing these little shades of interesting things and there are parts that are really competently done. So when there are these like loose areas where it's like, it doesn't feel like it's messy. It just feels like there's something I'm not getting. And then we have to work to get it. And that means that I feel like maybe there's a lot of ideas that are at play that they're just having trouble communicating or they're just certain things that like they're interested in that they're just not thinking through when they're writing it. Maybe I I don't know. I I think that's a possibility, but I'm not confident yet that that's the case because like, I feel like we're doing, we on this podcast, we already do a lot of work, right? Even with spectacular, we still did work because what we're trying to do is have the fullest understanding of everything, right? It's literally what we do is dig deep. Yeah. So, like, no matter what show we watch, we're going to do that. But with Spectacular Spider-Man or with, you know, Into the Spider-Verse or something where you and I aren't necessarily required to do the work, we're doing it because it's fun 
everything still presented there tightly. Somebody who's watching it and isn't going to come onto Walloping Web Snappers and isn't going to go beat by beat and dig into everything isn't even going to necessarily ask the questions. I'm not confident that's the case with this show. Yeah. Just like I'm confident that was the case with Spider-Man Unlimited. You sit somebody down in front of Spider-Man Unlimited, they will ask you questions. <laughs> yep. Period. You yep. know what I mean? <laughs> and I don't think I was expecting that from this show because it is so grounded, but it's still happening. And I do think... I think somebody might. I'm less confident with this show. I'm still figuring it out because we are only five episodes in. But I, I do think it's possible that somebody would ask the question, wait, why isn't Peter helping? Wasn't he supposed to be interviewing? Isn't he the person who knows Harry the best? Isn't that why Max asks him to help explicitly? Yeah. You know what I mean? And and again, this is one example. Like we're we're using this one example to explore a possible pattern. But the pattern, I think, continues in just like a couple minutes, if that. Because there's another thing that I feel like was established that then kind of gets dropped <laughs> for the sake of just continuing on with the story yeah. when it probably didn't need to be presented the way that it was. And then I wouldn't be asking the question in the first place. Right. If Peter's entire role was presented as escorting the interviewee to Max or letting Max know that the interviewee is there, this wouldn't be a question. But it's been explicitly presented to us as helping Max with the investigation. Like, we've already seen part of the investigation. The other thing in this exact same scene is what happens at the end of the interview. And we have stuff to talk about in the interview, but I'm going to jump ahead just a second. At the end of the interview, Peter leaves. And, and they, like, just straight up leaves. And he's he was supposed to be there to help Max. And he didn't at all. Like And yeah. then we never, in this in this episode, we don't see, hear, get any indication, smell of, sniff of any other interviews whatsoever like yep. it's weird because it feels like this entire and, and it is it's true and this isn't necessarily bad inherently but this entire scene is meant to connect raymond with max and that's fine but the way that it's presented and the lead up to it does not accurately reflect what actually happens i just said a lot of words did any of it make sense yeah no that all made okay that cool. all made sense it's yeah it's, it's it's a lot it's it's weird how complicated it is for simple stuff i think is what's what I'm kind of landing on, like, yeah. you know, and it's worth saying doing this shit is hard. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know that I could do it better. I'm, I'm just reacting to yeah. what's in front of me. Oh, you know no. what I mean? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, they're, they're, they're writing, they're, they're purposely setting out to have a really expansive ensemble cast, which that, I admire, which I admire. And they're trying to connect the, connect them all in really interesting ways. Like I commend which they that. Don't have to do. Yeah. And they don't have to do it. And I like that they're trying to do it. I, I like that about the show a lot. I like that about, any show like that's fully my taste is having a big cast that are all interconnected and then exploring character dynamics from there. Right. Yes. Like, but it is very challenging to do. And I think that this show has pulled it off in a lot of areas. This is one of those areas where it's struggling a little bit where it's just like you're maybe juggling a little too much. You had you had to move your you had to move your Peter plot forward. You had to still have Peter like learn information, but you also had to have this background information that you had to set up for another character that you had to set up. But you but like how are you going to make that work at the same time? And they just didn't really juggle it in a way that was streamlined or that you know made any damn sense, right? So like yeah, it's a struggle. I commend them. I commend them for the attempt because that's the thing is that I I do totally. think that the thing I I like I am liking about this show so far is that it's really not playing things safe. Like no, 
in terms of you know in terms of structure <laughs> no. in some ways like sure fine it's not being super experimental or, any, or revolutionary in a lot of ways but it's not playing it safe it's trying to pa- it's always trying to pack a lot into an episode it's trying to do a lot at once it's trying to set up a lot of stuff while also doing while also handling other plots like i commend the show for for not being safe like which i think i feel like that's a criticism that i saw people who either didn't watch or didn't pay attention to it going into it that that I remember hearing about it is that it's like, well, it's so, it just seems so cheap and lazy. And it's like, if you watch it, it's not, they're trying to do a lot. You can criticize. I don't think it's lazy at all. I don't think it's lazy at all. Whether they land everything they want to is the question. But the question is not, is this show lazy or is this show not trying or is the show without a perspective? None of those are questions to me. It's trying to do a lot of stuff and it's trying to make some interesting strides with its characters and character dynamics and connect some dots that have never been connected before in Spidey mythos and trying to twist things in new ways, like which is what you want from a new show. I feel like every time there's a new show, you want a new show to do that. So it's doing that well. And it's really trying to, to take big swings even if it's really literally just in scope and scale of characters, you know, rather than like actual specific Spidey stories so far. And I like that a lot. So anytime you're taking yeah, a big yeah, yeah. swing, you have the potential to have a big miss. And I think that like where the, well, where there are valid criticisms of the show to this point, it's just been in the execution and how kind of not neat some things are. Um, exactly. Yeah. And here's the thing. If you're going to take the big swing, like the bigger your swing and this this i think this plays into what we've said many many times we try to measure a, a piece of media based on what it's trying to accomplish right so if this show is trying to accomplish a lot our measurements are going to be a little bit higher right yeah. when we talk about <laughs> when we talk about Spider-Man 1981 when we talk about Amazing Friends those shows do not feel like they are trying to accomplish something or have a strong vision that they are trying to execute, right? So we we measure them according to that. This one feels like it has a lot to say. And so that's that's why we're being critical, which I just want to say. The bigger your swing, the more the little things matter. Because if you're taking a huge swing and your footing isn't right, you're going to whiff so hard, yeah. right? And I don't think they've whiffed really, really hard yet and i'm hoping that they don't i'm hoping this is early early show stuff that they just tweak and sort of flatten out but with this specifically the big swing is connecting max with raymond with peter being there so that peter can get the part for his tracer and getting all those things in the same room right and advancing all three of those things at once the problem is that this show frequently will sit there and say hey we are going to go on a journey and make many stops. And then what they actually show you is showing up one place and then moving on to the next thing. Yeah. Just yep. say you're going to one place. Yep. You know what I mean? Like just present the thing you're about to do. I feel like they often set you up for something bigger or more involved than what they actually show you. And they don't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think, and I do think that the good thing is that so far the whiffs that it has had are on kind of relatively small scale things like this. Like this is an important scene for setting up a lot of stuff, but it's not like they're whiffing on like, like they're just... not whiffing on Max and Raymond. Yeah, exactly. As individual characters. And they're not whiffing on Peter advancing his specific black cat plot. 
Yeah. What they're whiffing on is just setting up how they all got there. <laughs> yeah. Where where it's going to matter is if they whiff, like, you know, whatever the stuff with Harry is supposed to culminate into. If they whiff that, that's a problem. But if they're just totally. whiffing, like, little, little things like this, it's still a problem. But it's one of those things where it's, like, it's only a problem if you're, like, paying a lot of attention, right? It's only a problem. It doesn't make the show bad. Yeah. It's just a, a thing where it's sort of, like, if you're paying attention, even if you're not paying attention, it's a thing that's going to kind of clue into your head. It's, it's like... That felt weird. Something is up there that's not right, yeah. and we're just digging into why that's the case. <laughs> and there are there have been multiple times when it's happened in this show, but like we said, this is five episodes in. A, a lot of shows take a while to kind of figure out how to fix how to how to how Go to be a little tighter. Go listen to our yeah. coverage of the first season of the '90s Spider-Man oh, show. God, what if it's... that show did not? I mean, that hey. Not a bad season, but it did not fully understand what it was doing yet. Yeah, it was a big. It's a good. It's a, it's that's that's a season with with some really really strong individual episodes and ideas. That's a huge fucking mess in a lot of places. Yeah, yeah. This is this is dare I say this is already neater than that. I mean, it was kind of a, the first season of 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 Spider Man the animated series. I have a lot of love for. But it's totally. kind of a low bar in terms of being clean and neat. It was a very messy ass season. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, we're like we're nitpicking, but look, if you listen to our podcast, you get it. <laughs> yeah. You get it. If you weren't here for this, you'd be gone already. So <laughs> Yeah. Bye. But yeah, that is an issue that I'm realizing that I'm having with this show is that I'm presenting you with this larger thing that results in this smaller thing. That should be the other way around. Or I'm spotlighting something that actually doesn't matter, um, which shouldn't be the case. So those are those are the things. I think they happen here both a little bit. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, I think we got to get into this interaction with Max and Raymond because that is actually really interesting and really well done, I think. I forgot that we hadn't actually talked about that yet. <laughs> nope. I jumped ahead a little bit because I wanted to highlight the fact that they set this up as, a, I think, as like a series of interviews and and they just drop it right yep. after Raymond shows up. Peter so, doesn't anyway. even have final thoughts about it. He just yeah. All yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Weird. Exactly. So anyway, they're they're having this this conversation while Peter's not <laughs> engaging at all, which we have a theory about, but we'll see if it ends up getting confirmed. So uh Raymond in this conversation shares, because this is about Harry, shares that he didn't have much interaction with Harry, but he points out that he was just a substitute teacher at Midtown, which is our first indication of why he would even be brought in for an interview. Right. I had no idea why until that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does recall Harry being there, and he says all of my impressions of Harry were positive. He seems like a, a good kid, I think. He says something to that effect. But this isn't really like a meaty conversation with regards to what Max is trying to accomplish. And so the conversation shifts very quickly from Harry into something else entirely. <laughs> yeah. Again, set up. I mean, th- that's a little bit more necessary. Like, you got to get him in the room. Well, and um, I think that that's f- – I actually kind of like the way they did the transition here because it makes Raymond look out to be kind of kind yep. of a desperate dude, you know? Yeah, which I think is fair given what we learn, right? Like, yeah. So, I mean, the conversation shifts totally away from Harry, and Raymond asks Max, like – and he acknowledges this. He says, like, I hope I'm not overstepping or, or – you know, being rude or whatever he says, but I'm wondering, does Horizon High have any openings? And and we just learned that he's a substitute teacher at Midtown. He's not a full time staff member even. Yeah. So like, it makes sense he would ask, right? Yeah. And we know he's, you know, he's a genius. So uh, this seems like a good place for him to work. But Max replies, like, look, dude, like I admire what you do, but I I can't hire you because you're currently under investigation 
for what happened at ESU. And Raymond sort of fills us in and, and responds like, what, a, like stealing somebody's work? Like, of course I didn't do that. But to Max, it doesn't really matter because as long as he's currently under investigation, he says the Horizon Ethics Committee is not going to allow it. Like, I, I won't be able to hire you as long as you're you're still figuring that stuff out. Interesting stuff. Very interesting stuff. Only gets more interesting. Nope. <laughs> because Raymond responds, well, surely you, Max, can appreciate my situation. Has no one ever questioned your... And then Max very quickly cuts him off and basically says, like, it's not happening, and then, like, sips his coffee. <laughs> Oof. Another, another, Max, what have you been up to moment? Yeah. But also one of the most sort of aggressive is a strong word, but probably one of the most assertive moments we've seen from, from Max. Like, clearly a nerve was touched. Well, and it clearly, like, you know, it's been suggested up to a certain point where it's just like, he's a fraud. This is the first yep. time where it's like, no, something very serious happened and Max is the, is, is at least framed as the bad guy in whatever it is that happened. And... That's, yeah. And it's framed around ethics because this, I mean, Raymond says that. Raymond says, surely you can understand when Max brings up the ethics committee. Mm-hmm. So, like, we don't know what happened fully to either one of them. We know that that Raymond has been accused of stealing somebody's work. And for some reason, he thinks that Max can relate to that. If not specifically, at least being accused of being unethical. Uh, you know what I want? I don't know if this is something that you would care about at all. What's up? I would love just a, a full episode flashback that just takes place, you know, like 20 years ago or something that is just like Max and Raymond and Spencer and Norman all as like younger dudes, you know, working somewhere. Yeah. That exp- that just gives you the whole, you know, the whole lowdown fully just takes place in the past. That would be so fun. I would very much be into that. I think they would have to handle it in a very particular way yeah, that I'm yeah. probably not capable of writing. But you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I would be really happy to see something like that because, one, it would be unexpected. The show, like we said, isn't safe, but format-wise, it's pretty traditional so far. Sure. So if they were to do something like that, I'd be thrilled based on the swing, and I would be thrilled if they nailed it. Yep. Yep. Be that would be really cool. My only concern would be, would they make Max Skinny? Oh no! Because that's is is that you know is that not like a dumb default thing that shows do is like you were younger so you must be smaller and the only way to make you smaller and more youthful is to make you skinny. (laughs) Uh, I'm not even going. They probably wouldn't, but yeah, this shows. I like that idea though. That would be pretty cool. This shows some pretty good about about body types. So like, I think that they might not do that. It's been decent. It's been it's been okay with the adults so far. As far as like students go, we haven't gotten much of it. I guess. Well, no, actually, last episode, yeah, Herman and and Clayton were different body types. Both of them were. Mm -hmm. And then we saw Flash too, who was a different body type. So okay, I mean, I I didn't give him enough credit. Yeah, main characters wise, the kids are all kind of the same. But yeah, you know. Give us a character that we're explicitly supposed to like who has a different body type, and then we can talk about how well they're doing, I yeah, think. Yeah, it depends on what they do with Otto, like, because, <laughs> you know, yep. he also, yeah, we'll see. Max <laughs> is the only character we're explicitly supposed to like who is a bigger guy. Yeah. Everybody else we're supposed to be suspicious of. And even Max has, like, a dark past, so, like, yep. uh, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Anyway, so this is obviously a tense conversation. Max cuts him off. 
Raymond is like, okay, fine, whatever, drops the conversation. But then we see him inconspicuously turn his ring around so that it faces inside his hand. And then he, like, turns the gem setting, which activates something. We'll learn what it is, like, sort of, kind of, in a moment, but we, but something happens, and it's not entirely clear what he's doing. Yeah. Just as Peter identifies Black Cat's location with his uh, GPS, Max asks him to see Raymond out. The first relevant thing that Peter has done in this entire interview, and only <laughs> thing that he will ever do in Right, because he wasn't even asked to bring Raymond in. Yeah. He yeah. just ran into Raymond. <laughs> yep. Yep. So finally, Peter gets to do something. His whole job was just to walk him out of the door that Raymond can clearly see. Cool. <laughs> Good job for, for a little genius. I mean, part of it might be like sort of passive aggressive <laughs> to ask like the child to escort you out. Yeah. Yeah. And we've seen, I mean, it was in the context of both Max and Norman being passive aggressive, but we've seen Max be passive aggressive before. We absolutely have. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> yeah, actually, I kind of like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. So Peter, of course, is eager to pursue Black Cat. So he's like, yeah, sure. That means I get to leave. Great. Um, Raymond offers a handshake uh, to Max with this with his now buzzing ring, kind of giving us an idea of what activated. But uh, Peter grabs him by the shoulder to lead him out before Max can accept it. So Max has not been touched by the ring. In the hallway, I think Raymond tries to, like, give Peter a handshake goodbye. And Peter's like, OK, bye. And just, like, leaves, not paying attention. So doesn't get to touch Peter with the ring either. Then Raymond sees a student celebrating his success in Dr. Octavius's class. And then he's like super excited. I think this is this is Alexi, right? Um, this is Alexi, but we don't know it yet. Yeah, I mean, he has like a what what like a, a Russian accent, so like you could probably connect those dots. But technically we I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> it's a school for geniuses. That's and true. Like, Shinnick called it a Hogwarts of science. So. That's true. I don't That's know. True. I Maybe I'm silly for not drawing the conclusion, but I didn't think about it. <laughs> yeah, okay. So this student, who may or may not be Alexi, uh, we will learn he's Alexi later this episode. He, uh, <laughs> he's all excited. Um, he's like, yeah, yeah, I did it, I did it. And he gives Raymond a high five. This high five is in the hand that has the ring on it. This appears to kind of very lightly shock Alexi. I mean, the kid who we will learn later is Alexi. <laughs> it is Alexi. I'm just saying I, I don't think it was I know. obvious it was Alexi. I'm just fucking with you. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I was confused by this, though, because it is weird. they present the, and, and it, it does pay off, but 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 it pays off at the very end of the episode. So I was so confused that they present this like menacing ring. Right. And you're like, what did he just do? And then he. He he stretches his hand or he reaches his hand out for a handshake with Max and you're like, oh, it's going to do something to Max. And then he like just barely doesn't touch Peter and you're like, whoa, he just missed Peter. And then he high fives this kid who turns out to be Alexi and it just sort of like buzzes and you're like, oh, that was it? <laughs> and so I was fully ready to be like, what the fuck was that all about? But it does... It does actually pay off. Yeah. But it was very confusing in the moment. And I, I commend them because I'm sure they knew that it was supposed to be kind of confusing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's good. <laughs> it's good. I like the tension of him, like, constantly almost shaking hands with someone. Yeah. And it's like, in any normal situation, especially, like, pre-COVID, I'm hoping that handshaking is just done forever now because who even fucking needs that? <laughs> we don't need a handshake. We don't need a handshake. <laughs> but I but I like the idea that because it's such a common, like – Pre-COVID, it was such like a common, like a basic, nor everybody ha- fucking handshakes everyone, and he just mm-hmm. can't fucking get a handshake with someone. Like, <laughs> love it. <laughs> I am a little confused though, as to like, 
Well, I guess we could talk about it when we get to the to like what it reveals itself to be. Mm-hmm. Because it'll make more sense there. Yeah. So at a comic book shop downtown, Black Cat struts in. She approaches the counter and she grabs a rare issue of Storied Stories featuring Bip Bop Boom, which is a spoof on Fin Fang Foom's first appearance in Strange Tales, which I thought was very cute. <laughs> yeah. Cover even sort of looks like an homage to that. So that's nice. I like Storied Stories. It's just Storied like, Stories. That's really funny. <laughs> I also rewound because I was like, wait, what role does this comic book play in all of her and all of her like heisting? And it doesn't. She just really wants that comic. Yeah, because I don't think I just I think the comic is the one thing that isn't on her list. It's not. That's pure. I think it's purely for her because she says like I've been looking for this one. Yeah, and I think it checks out because I assume that her list is for whoever her secret mysterious employer is, and this is the one thing that isn't on the list because it's not for yeah. her employer. It's for her. Um, yeah, and as a result, she just. I mean, it's funny. It's even presented differently, right? Because everything yeah. we've seen her take, she's sort of like. I mean, the 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 not Apple store is a little bit not super clear, but for the most part, she's just she's doing like cat burglar stuff to get the things that she is is seeking out. In this case, it's presented differently in that she just walks right in and sort of like not even cat eye mesmerizes people, just is like sexy girl walking into comic shop (laughs) and like taking what she wants and leaving. No one stops (laughs) her. It's so funny. No one. They're just like, huh, that was a yeah. priceless comic. We, huh? Well, that sucks. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Just I like looking that for her bit bop boom comic, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's, it's all, it's all good. Um, Spidey, Spidey is there though. He tracked her there. So he's, he stops her um, right as she gets outside. She's just like, <laughs> I love her. I love her throughout this episode that she's just irritated with him. Like, yeah. she's not mad. She's not, like, you know, trying to hurt him or anything. She's just like, oh, my God, leave me alone. Can you let me live my life, please? Right. It's not even the, like, playing with Spider-Man version of Black Cat. It's literally just like, can you leave me alone? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's really fun. But, you know, he asks her, how how do you keep giving me bad luck? Instead of answering, because why the fuck would she tell him anything? She just <laughs> demonstrates that it doesn't just work on him. It actually can work on anyone. So she mm-hmm. flashes her eyes just like towards an approaching truck driver, which causes one of the truck's wheels to just burst. The truck tips over and begins to slide toward a number of bystanders. So like that's okay. That that's quite a bit of bad luck, I should say. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> I would say. Spidey uses his spider sense kind of combined with a bunch of mathematics. This is the one where you like literally see like angles and numbers written on on screen like in Spidey's head, right? My, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we see that he's using all the mathematics to sort of like figure out the right angles to do all this stuff, blah, 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 a bunch of math science stuff. Anyway, either way, he, he uses that information to, to get everyone out of harm's way and he does it. Do you th- – I have a question because we we did say that we kind of like – how they're combining his knowledge with his spider sense. Mm-hmm. And we've only seen this twice. So I don't even know if it's the right time to ask this, but I'm going to ask it anyway because I'm thinking about it. Do you think that this is detracting from like Spidey action at all oh, to have him uh... slow down and do math? Oh, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't bother me if that's what you're asking. Like, I don't think it. Um... I think, like, because the Spidey action in this show is fine, but it's also not particularly elaborate most of the time, at least to me. So, Mm -hmm. like, I'm not 
in there on the edge of my seat watching the Spidey action in the but same way. I think way. that's why I'm wondering because the action already isn't super flashy. Yeah, but because of that, I think that makes it okay to include it because it doesn't. It, I I think like if in Spectacular Spider-Man, if they did that, I would get frustrated because it would feel like they're actively like pausing the action that I want to see to do this in this show. I'm never, like, super invested in it. Like, I just kind of feel kind of chill with the action sequences, which maybe isn't great for action sequences. But it also means that, like, when they do pause and, and to have him, like, think out loud and do the science stuff, I'm like, okay, fine. Like, it doesn't feel like it's uh, taking away from anything. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to pay attention to it. I'm just wondering. Because, like, in the case of Spectacular Spider-Man, that does have really great action. And it is often really, really well animated as far as, like, his movements and how he uh, utilizes his powers uh, in really cool ways yeah. because they simplified the designs of things so much that they could focus on that and really make it pop. Mm-hmm. So in that case, I think if they were to do a sort of mathematical slowdown, it would feel like, I don't know, it would feel almost like uh, a significant change of pace and it would like draw, uh, what am I trying to say? Like when you give a speech, you're not supposed to give it all at the same pace. You're supposed to slow down and you're supposed to speed up and you're supposed to get louder and then you're supposed to get quieter so that not everything is the exact same pace. So there's like beats along the way or there's like hills and valleys and stuff. I feel like in the case of Spectacular Spider-Man, if they were to do something like this, I think I would kind of be wowed by it. I would be like, whoa, like, interesting. that was different. Assuming they didn't do it all the time, right? Yeah. In this case though, because the action already isn't super spectacular and i mean that in the way of a spectacle not in comparison to spectacular yeah i think that i'm worried that this the slowing down is only slowing the already slow action down even more <laughs> i think that's like, i don't think it's complimenting it but i'm not totally sure yet because we've only seen it twice but if you haven't noticed it maybe it's not that big a deal i think it's a fair criticism that like you're expecting a superhero action show to have good action and I don't think the show's action is bad, but I also think it's just very middle of the road. And I don't, I'm just never that particularly like interested or invested during a lot of the action sequences. Which they don't I, focus a lot on action. Yeah. Like, I think like so. They're like, not highlighting it all that much. Yeah. So I, I, I sort of feel like I'm only parsing this out loud right now. So I might backtrack on it later. But sure. like. I sort of feel like now that I'm I'm watching more of this show, it feels less like an action superhero show and more like um, there's an I don't know what the name for this sort of like type of show or genre of show. But like, do you remember or had you ever heard of the show Strange Days at, at, at Blake Holsey High, also called Black Hole High? Do you remember, Did you ever encounter that show? No. So it was like a Canadian show, but then it also came on like NBC uh, in, in America for like kids like uh it was like th- during the NBC's like Saturday like science block which had sure. like vaguely science shows on it and it was <laughs> i feel like this show is more like that show than it is like an action superhero show that show was very much like it took place at like a a a a specialty school with like really smart kids but there was also lots of wacky sci-fi stuff that would happen and there was still like an ongoing story arc and like adults with like like dark pasts that were all interconnected with like the history of the school and like it wasn't a superhero show but it was like heroic kids like solving complex problems with like in cool ways with their like science stuff while also having like interpersonal drama i feel like this show weirdly is more in line with that something like that than it is like an action show because it doesn't feel very interested 
in the action of its own show. It feels more interested in science kids solving science problems in creative ways and like solving big mysteries and conflict conflicts in that way. I mean, I don't have a problem with it if that is the vision for the show. Right. But my concern based on this, but also some other things is that like the, the slow down spider sense thing isn't only being done because it's cool because Mm -hmm. I do think it's cool, but it's also in part being done because maybe they don't have like the frame budget to do <laughs> cool action. That might be the case too. <laughs> because I think, I think there fair. are other things that indicate that maybe they don't have the frame budget because there are certain cuts during action sequences that make me wonder. And so I'm just like, I'm at a point now where I'm like, this is cool. And if it is being used because of a frame budget, it's cool and it's creative, but I'm, I don't want it to, I don't want it to be overused because I'm worried that it is making up for the inability to do action. Yeah, I think so too. That's my worry. That's my biggest concern. I do think that that's a valid criticism. That's a, that's another thing that I that before maybe because I don't know this, yet. I don't know that is but that is a thing that I heard bef- from people before even watching this show. That people criticize from it, which again sometimes is coming from I think kind of bad faith actors that are just seeing screen caps of it and are just like that looks cheap. But sure. I do think. There was a criticism of the show that, like, it looked kind of cheap. And I do see where that's coming from because it does at times. Sometimes it's animated fine. Other times I can tell where it's just, like, that's weirdly low, low frame rate, I think. And I do think the general vibe of the show kind of it, it works for it a lot of, in a lot of cases because it's a sort of, like, an anime-esque kind of show. So the low frame rate kind of works in its favor in the same way that it did for, like, Marvel Rising, for example. And I um, think that's definitely part of why they utilize the style. Yeah. But I also think that, like... Anime is able to make up for low frame rate stuff sometimes by like doing creative stuff with its action that this show isn't really doing. So like I do I think that that's a fair thing to say that maybe the science slowdown stuff is just their way of kind of making up for not having the budget to do more elaborate action sequences even if they'd want to in which case like uh, it's not great, <laughs> you know. I just, you know, like with anime, like you said, they make up for it with creative solutions, or they pour their budget into particular moments, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, and and that's how you make up for it. Where it's like maybe the whole show isn't super smooth, but damn, if that you know scene wasn't incredible, right? Right. I think of things like Akira, where you're like, holy fuck, if there aren't moments in that movie that just absolutely blow your eyes out of their sockets like you were not watching the movie right um and i think of i think of i know this is so funny because like when we talked about it you were like i didn't even notice that but like i think of the moment during the spectacular fight with venom the second time where he does the flying through the yeah where he's flying through the air and tumbling and stops himself with the tendrils and breaks the ground along the way and just, like, I'm worried, like, is this show not going to get any of those moments? Are they not going to be allowed to have any moments like that? I could believe it. I don't know yet. We're you know? so early in. But I just, I'm worried. I I, I'm worried. I, I, I don't feel like at this point that I'm watching the show for how it looks. I, I can oh, tell I'm you not much. either. But I just want it to have some moments. Yeah. It would be nice if they have, like, a, you know, the, the season finale, they put a bunch of money into it and make it look good. I That would be cool if they did that. I don't know if it's going to happen. I think it's stupid for like a Marvel show to be low budget or, or not have great budget when it's fucking like Marvel owned by Disney. You have all the money in the world. Put it put it into it. It's fine. They do. They have all the money in the world, but they're also making like a billion shows at once. Yeah. I mean, that's true. I do think, but it's it's a thing that like I have trouble even faulting the show for necessarily because it's like 
I'm sure they would love to have all the money to oh, do elegant action sequences. Totally. You know? and, and and that's why I keep clarifying, like, it's I, I if it is a problem, I think it's a budgeting problem. I think they yeah. are told you are allowed this many frames per episode, period. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and, and, and that is not on animators. Animators do hella work to sort of work within what, what their confines are. So, like, that's why I said, like, if it is a way to make up for it, it's super creative and I do think it's cool. I'm just worried that it indicates they won't be allowed or able to do cooler stuff. <laughs> I, I will say to their credit, if that's the case, and it's just like they just have a you know shitty animation budget and they're just dealing with it. I do think that they're they're writing to that. I think the best that they can in their action sequences by not putting a ton of focus on elaborate action sequences by implementing like these slow down math things. It's because they're not trying to, like, overshoot what they can't do, which you see that in, like, you saw that in, in the 90s show. You saw that in Unlimited. You saw that in the 80s shows where it's, like, they have saw grand that ideas show. that can't be, huh? <laughs> we saw that in the Toei show where they were making up for how much they were able to shoot, you know? Oh, yeah. No, you're right. It's, like, where it's, yeah. Well, I'm saying, like, you know, when when they shoot to, when they, when they sort of, like, overshoot what they want to do that they aren't able to do in animation, it just ends up just looking god awful and incomprehensible. Oh in a lot yeah, of cases. yeah, I see what you're saying. So yeah, like yeah. yeah, so in the '90s show, they would they uh, it was very common and, and unlimited too. It would be very common where it's sort of like I can tell that you were trying to do something cool, but there was no way the way your animation style and animation budget is that you would ever be able to pull it off and you tried to, and it was just completely incomprehensible and I and it just looked terrible. This show. If what we're thinking is happening is happening, they seem to know what their limits are and aren't trying to push the boundaries of their action because they know it will look bad if they try to. So I do commend them for that if that's the case because it's like they're not trying. It's sort of like we know that we can't we can only do it so much so we're not going to try to. Um, That's yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I hope that's the case. I hope if there is a reason, that's why. Yeah, knowing your limits is important in animation. That's a thing that I I never really thought much about until we did this podcast and we're looking at these shows very in depth. But it's like knowing what you can and can't do in animation under your time constraints based on the designs that you have, based on your style, based on your budget. That is extremely important for action shows. And I think it is really hard to figure out what that line is when you want you know, to do great stuff and to push boundary boundaries. So when you can figure out where that line is and be able to like go up against that line as much as you can without again, making an action sequence utterly incomprehensible and God awful. I think that that's really commendable. And I do think at this point, I've never felt like there was an action sequence that didn't make sense. That just looked bad. I just think that their action sequences are just kind of safe and often kind of boring. Yeah, no, I don't think they look bad at all. And this does help in that, like, I presented it as it, as, and I still think the question is valid, but I think it's less of what I was actually noticing. Like, I do think, yeah, it's less about are these detracting from the action that is there and more does this indicate that the action is limited in some way? And that right. helps clarify it a lot. Yeah. Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out our spectacular enough patrons, Katie, Joe, Mike, Flux, Eric, Carl, and Lillian. If you would like to join our Patreon, we have a ton of great bonus content waiting for you. We have our Spider Bites, where we talk about pretty much whatever we want in the Spider-Man universe, such as comics, like the current Miles Morales series, and classics like Kraven's Last Hunt. Sometimes we do deep dives into Spider-Man stuff, like our miniseries on the unmade Spider-Man movies. 
Or we spin off into other topics, like the Blade movies or the Firestar comics. Sometimes we'll do some bonus content just because we happen to have it, like Peaks Behind the Curtain or how we make certain episodes. And if you join us at the $5 Spectacular level, you also get access to our After Dark commentaries, where we let loose and talk about shows that aren't Spider-Man related without a filter. Shows like Gargoyles, Batman Beyond, Muppet Babies, and more. Ultimately, these are the types of things that we're going to talk about anyway, so recording it and making it available on Patreon is our way of saying thank you so much for supporting this show and letting us do the types of things we really want to do. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate that too. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. All right, anyway. (laughs) There are some conversations we get to as a result of this 2017 show that I never would have expected us to get into based solely on its reputation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but I think it's all all interesting stuff, though, because it's all just sort of like broad things especially now that we've been doing this for a couple of years like that we've sort of picked up on and learned about animation in general that's sort of like when you're in the most current show especially it's sort of like there's no like oh they just weren't doing this in shows at the time like no if this is 2017 we know where animation is at right now right the second we know what it's capable of and we know what other shows are doing so it makes it <laughs> a little easier to like put it all into context and be like okay what can you do and what are you doing because you recognize what your specific limits are i laugh because i know exactly what cgi animation was doing in 2011 spectacular spider-man <laughs> glare glare <laughs> I know what they were up to. I mean, the falling <laughs> Christmas tree wasn't just like the best CGI you've ever seen implemented in the best possible way. That was not even up to 1994 standards. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Anywho. Okay. <laughs> Where are we at? We, I derail again. <laughs> Thank God this, uh, this, this black cat episode of the 2017 Spider-Man show is going to be our longest podcast episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was going to happen last week, and we actually were very close to the end last time. So yeah. maybe uh, maybe we'll end up similarly. Although I did say a lot of stuff happens in this episode. It's true. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, back to the actual episode. With Black Cat having escaped because of that truck incident, um, and because Peter's tracer still isn't working perfectly, Spider-Man starts to worry both about failing his Octavius project and getting suspended for lying to Max about the V-252. Glad he acknowledges straight up, I lied to Max, (laughs) and that was wrong. Does it pay off the way that it should? No, but I like that he at least acknowledges it. (laughs) Yeah. When an onlooker nearby comments that Spider-Man is amazing, he gets so much done. He gets more done in five minutes than I do before lunch. Spider-Man remembers, shoot, I had lunch plans with Harry, and he thwips <laughs> off. So another one of those little little moments. Yeah. I have a very quick question for you. Yeah. That moment where that guy says, I get more done in five minutes than blah, 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 blah. That guy and the guy standing next to him both have the face of somebody all over their shirts. Oh. Did you notice this? No, I didn't even notice that. Okay, I'm going to show you a picture. I screen grabbed it. Oh, okay. I don't know if this is a reference I don't get or if this is just like a thing that they made and thought was funny because these are guys at a comic book shop. Is this somebody? What? Oh. Who is this? It's all over this guy's shirt. I can't. And at first I was like, that's weird. I can't And then I saw it was on the other guy's shirt. It sort of looks like a, 
it, at first I was like, is that supposed to be like Batrock the Leaper or whatever the fuck that guy's <laughs> name is? But it's not. And it's not Spider-Man. And then I was like, is this a weird Common Rider reference? Because mm. it sort of looks Bugman-ish, but it's not that either. But you don't recognize it either? It's also so simply drawn that, like, you could argue that it's, like, anything. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of things in that color scheme and that similar design that, like, it could be anything. And maybe it's meant to be super generic so that it just looks like a superhero. But I just thought it was so interesting that it was on both of their shirts. Yeah, if it was on one of them, not a big deal. Yeah, the fact that it's on both of their shirts is what's weird. Yeah, it's a fun detail, though, considering that they're right outside a comic book shop. Sure, yeah, yeah. Weird. Anyway, uh, Peter does show up at the coffee shop uh, and shares with Harry that he's uh, been struggling with his project for Octavius. Harry suggests, like, hey, why don't you just replace the battery? Actually, the one in my phone would work just fine. Uh, Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Not what I was expecting. Nope, none of that. Also, should I just add, Harry is like, oh, hey, Pete, I know you're late, but I ordered I ordered your usual Dude. lunch order for you. He's such a good boyfriend. This whole <laughs> this whole scene is Harry being an incredible friend and Peter being a shite friend. Horrible, 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 <laughs> horrible. But yeah, Peter is like enamored by his tracer fully functioning. So he's like, his face is like basically pressed up against his GPS tracker mm-hmm. now. Freaking out. I don't even know what he's like doing at this point because like, I I assume that it just tells you one thing, and that's where the tracer is. How much more? I don't know what what you're calculating or calibrations you're making or what, but he's just all up in that thing. So you know, Harry's like trying to talk to him and just having like a regular conversation with him. He's like, "How are you doing?" And Peter's like, "Oh," blah, 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 blah. And he just stuffs his face full of his lunch and is like, "I gotta go after Black Cat." And Harry's just like, "Oh, okay." It's, and I think how it's framed is really important, right? Because, like, Harry specifically asked Peter how he is. Peter kind of brushes him off and just like, I'm fine. Whatever. And then Harry's like, yeah, well, I've been – I've been – and then Peter cuts him off to, like, eat his lunch and run out. So it's sort it's of like – It's worse than that. Peter asks him, how have you been? And Harry starts to answer, and Peter, like, cuts him off. Yeah. So it's, like, like, even worse. Right. And Harry's, like, excited to see him. Yep. Yep. <laughs> It's so mean. It's bad. It's bad from every angle, right? And it's like, yeah, it's like there's, God, I don't, I don't think there's no way that there isn't some like internalized hostility within Harry at this point. I would think it would be stupid if there wasn't because he should be mad at Peter right now because Peter sucks right now. So <laughs> at least in this case, he kind, he's at least he's disappointed, right? Yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't blow up, but he also doesn't have anybody to blow up at. True. So I it's at least they they focus on him being sad that Peter just totally blew him off. Yeah. As he should be because it sucks. Yep. <laughs> this is also the first time we really see Peter being like a super shitty friend. Yep. Like him being forgetful has been presented to us as like just a Peterism. This feels beyond that. There's a point in every Spider-Man show I think that we've ever watched where it's like Peter Parker sucks. This is that moment for this show. Peter just sucks right now. Which is interesting because I feel like of the Peters that we've covered, this is probably one of the least sucky Peters. Like, it really is. Generally yeah. speaking. Yeah. I mean, I think it helps that like he's never dealt with girls at all. And that's usually oh, when God. Peter sucks like <laughs> 100% of the time. So like it's yep. almost by omission that he doesn't suck. But <laughs> yeah. Well, and he has no friends. Yeah, his, the closest <laughs> that he has to a love interest is Harry, and he sucks in that situation. So yep. still, the trend still works. Very true. 
So Spider-Man ends up finding Black Cat at a museum this time, and she's attempting to steal a diamond, a blue diamond specifically, which is another item from her checklist. When Black Cat attempts to flash her eyes at him again, Spider-Man reveals that, hey, my eyes were closed, haha, ha na 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 boo boo This does prevent him from getting bad lucked, but it also just allows her to sneak away without him seeing. So she does that, yeah. and she leaves with the diamond, and he's like, oh. And that's that. That's, <laughs> that's funny. I like that's it. the museum scene. <laughs> I also like that his uh, his his mask still has like an expression on it, even when his eyes are closed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they great. can't give it away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's good. It's yeah. funny too because this is a Spider-Man that's allowed to squint. Yeah, like his mask is allowed to squint, but you're right, it doesn't in this moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, the physics of the Spider-Man mask never makes sense, and it's fine. That's what makes it great. Totally fine. So back at Horizon High, Peter arrives, of course, as always, late to his uh, study group with Anya and Miles. Peter kind of explains that he was like, oh, I was at a museum. But he does it like in a really weird way because he's like, I was I was I was saving the relics of Pompeii or some bullshit. That doesn't make any sense. And Anya appropriately calls him weird because he is (laughs) always. Peter begins to further explain um, uh, sharing information about, like, the preserved remains at Pompeii. Like, to, you know, it, to be fair, kind of supporting, like, yes, I definitely was at the museum because here is what I learned. But that's when he has a realization that the casing on his tracer is too thick to allow it to work properly. Because, you know, Pompeii was preserved in, like, uh, you know, volcanic rock and fossil and stuff like that. And that just clues him into casing around a a GPS tracker. Sure. It detracts, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I get yeah. what he's saying. I think it works. I think it works. Oh, I also like when Anya calls him weird, Miles is like, but he's very creative because he's ever the optimist. It's very cute. Right, that's what I was referring to last time where I was like, he just rolls with it. Peter gives this weird fucking excuse that makes no sense. I mean, it makes sense to us as an audience, but it makes no sense to these two. And Miles is just like, sure, whatever. He's fine. He's creative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Peter kind of is like he's figured out what he wants to do with his tracer. Starts to ru- he uh, starts to rush off to address the problem, but Anya, rightfully irritated because he just showed up late to their study group and is now leaving again, demands that he at least, at the bare minimum, answer three questions correctly before he's allowed to leave. She asks the three questions. They all ha- just happen to relate to Spider-Man's exploits that day. It's like a chemical that like preserves uh, comic books, something with like polishing diamonds or something like that. You get the drift, right? Peter answers all three of them correctly. I like that. I thought that was cute. Yeah, I thought that was cute too. I and I, I like I like it's it's clever that they all kind of correlate with uh, Spider-Man's adventures in like fun science ways. And they're all science things that I didn't know. So fun science facts. That's great. Yeah. Only thing I want to point out is that I love that Anya has a panda backpack. Uh Uh-huh. It's like the first indicator that she has any sort of like fun in her personality. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) She's not just a wet blanket all the time. Yeah. They need that because, uh, you know, the show thus far has just made her sort of like cranky friend. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I actually love Anya. Like, I think she's fantastic so far, but I don't think that we're supposed to feel that way yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that she calls Peter out on her, on his shit, but we're not supposed to like the character that calls Peter out on his shit. So like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm liking her despite what the show is communicating about her. <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't like what the show is communicating about her because it doesn't seem fair. But she's like the person that I'm like, yeah, bitch, get it. Like, <laughs> drag him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. 
Yeah, well, at a car dealership downtown, Spidey finds Black Cat stealing a fancy sports car, which is the last item on her checklist. She speeds away, and Spidey follows. When he catches up to her near a demolition site, that's when Black Cat flashes her cat eyes again, causing a crane to lose control. It's funny when she's ever flashing this at anyone but Spider-Man. It's just like utter catastrophe happening. Yeah. Well, he has super spider resistance. That's what Spider-Woman would tell us. Sure, yeah. Using my super spider resistance. (laughs) Yep. My super spider corneas. Oh, God. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, well, when this train loses control, it uh, nearly drops rubble on top of Spidey. He is able to come away unharmed, um, and he hitches a ride on the back of a passing truck and uh, attempts to follow Black Cat again with his tracer. So as he's following her and trying to catch up with her, he wonders how Black Cat can, and this is his exact quote, cause so much havoc if there's no such thing as bad luck, which echoes a number of moments earlier in the episode where he denies the existence of bad luck, right? He's clearly wrestling with this. So he reminds himself, and I like this because this sort of was his mantra at the beginning, but I also think it's heavy handed <laughs> yeah, oh, it <laughs> to approach the situation scientifically. This is These are the moments that make me sort of make fun of the fact that the show is like, science! Yeah. Because I think he still could have done this uh, without him being like, let's think scientifically. I think if he had just said like, think, Peter, think. Think it through. It still would have gotten the same thing across. Yep. Anyway, nitpicking. Ultimately, he decides to test out a hypothesis. If two negatives equal a positive, he says maybe her bad luck will cancel out my bad luck. And this is where I start to take issue, I think, with how they decide to handle the scientific logical approach with the chance and luck idea. Sure. Because this is another one of those moments, I think, that highlights, understandably, (laughs) that these are writers and not scientists. Because I don't think this makes any sense whatsoever. No, it really doesn't. The hypothesis doesn't make any sense. And then what happens, I think, is presented in a very confusing way as far as what we are supposed to take away from it. It's very, I like where it lands. It's very confusing getting there. Very confusing. I don't even know if I like where it lands, so I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Um, I mean, just in concept, <laughs> I guess. Um, not not in any particular way. Yeah, so he's basically like, hey, bad. maybe her bad luck will cancel out my bad luck. Okay, so what he does, he manages to catch up with Black Cat's car and forces her into situations that are considered bad luck. So they drive under a ladder break her side view mirror which causes one of her well theoretically causes one of her tires to burst or maybe that happens coincidentally who knows he also hangs a horseshoe upside down on her rear view mirror and then the tank runs out of gas black cat is kind of wondering how spidey gave her bad luck and he says like i didn't actually uh and then he goes into like this long logical explanation for all of them it's sort of like um like oh your tires burst because you ran over glass the tank ran out of gas because dealerships always keep uh gas tanks low just in case their cars get stolen um so that that's where i do like where it lands where it's sort of like as confusing and weird as it is to get to that point i like that in the end it's just ambiguous it's like there's they don't land on any clear answer it's like maybe what spidey said is all it's all logical explanation it was all coincidence or maybe she really did have bad luck powers. Like who knows? I I don't, you could land either way. I don't think it's ambiguous. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I think because I think what we are presented with a villain, not, she's not really a villain. We are presented with an antagonist that 
explicitly has the ability to cause people bad luck, right? That's how she's initially presented to us. Yeah. Then they question that by having our protagonist and hero say, that's not real. That can't be real. So then as he's sort of fumbling over things, you're now wondering, okay, is what she says she's doing what she's actually doing, or is it going to be revealed to be something else, right? Then we get to this point where he's like, okay, I need to figure out, is this real? Is this not real? How is she able to do what she does when bad luck is not real? That's our hero and our protagonist. Mm -hmm. Then his solution is presented to himself and to us only as I'll give her bad luck to cancel out my bad luck, which validates to a degree that he has bad luck (laughs) and that he's going to cancel it out with bad luck. I think that's what's confusing about it, though, because he has that explanation. But then the sort of like coincidence explanations that, that are all logical at the end, I thought was meant to be like, but maybe he didn't actually believe in bad luck. And it actually was all just a bunch of coincidences that happened. And she was always destined to to kind of like to fail anyway, just because of these specific situations of why she ran out of gas and why her tires burst. I don't think it's handled in a way that makes that clear at all, but I think that's, that's what they were trying to do is to be like, Oh yeah, I did all these bad luck things, but also it also would have made sense for this to happen anyway. I, it doesn't make any fucking sense. I agree that it was sort of, but then Spider-Man needs to walk away from the situation confused. I think, I think that's how you make it work because I think think when you punctuate it with Spider-Man and this is where, you know, I referred to, um, I referred to Black Cat sometimes sounding like Daphne uh, in her delivery. And this is this is where I think it happens very much because she's like, how did you manage to blah, blah, blah? And it's very much like a Scooby-Doo episode where they're like, but how did he do this? You know what I mean? But anyway, I think the fact that they punctuate this, this whole sort of like confusion over is bad luck real is bad luck not real because spider-man is the one confused and questioning himself throughout the episode it's punctuated with him confident that nothing that happened was bad luck yeah he's the one confused and he's the one who punctuates it and says that wasn't bad luck that happened because of this logically that was not bad luck it happened because of this logically and i think that i think that does a disservice to the confusion and the theme i I agree one of the things that I think is cool that Spider-Man sometimes does in certain properties that I think this show wants to do. I think you're right. I think they set out to do something. I think they totally missed <laughs> at the sure. end of this episode. I love when they pit the idea of fate versus chance. And I, I, I love it so much. I think it's so much fun. I think I, I love the fact that some spider people believe they were chosen by fate and some spider people feel like it was complete and utter chance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, and I love when that, it, that, that question cannot be answered. You know what I mean? And I feel like Peter answers it here. And I, I'm really bothered by that because I'm like, that takes away the fun for me. I think you're right. I think there's no way for us to truly know. And I think they could kind of repair it if they wanted to. But I think presenting Peter as the one confused makes us see through his eyes. Yeah. Um, and then when when he punctuates it, we're still supposed to see through his eyes, which is confusing because at the same time, we're su- we explicitly see what Black Cat can do. So, yeah, I don't know. I just there's something I, I just I don't know. I, I don't think they I don't think they service how cool this could be. And I think they confuse it strongly by uh, allowing Peter to walk away confident without tripping him up at all. Like, if he walked away confident and he, then he literally tripped over something, I think that would be good, right? 
Or if he walked away confused, not understanding how anything worked or questioning his own explanations, I think that would be good. Yeah. But he walks away fully confident and nothing makes like nothing shakes that confidence until maybe we see him like see her again. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's weird because the lead up to him punctuating that, like, logically, it was all just chance. Like everything that he does right directly before that is trying to give her bad luck. Like, you know what I mean? So it's sort of like he says he's going to do. (laughs) Yeah. So it's still like it's I. that's why I think it's like. I think their intention was to leave it an ambiguous thing. They just sort of like whiffed it a little bit at the end with sort of like not like to make that not really confusing and to not feel like it's a punctuation would just be Spidey being like, it could have been all these logical things or maybe not. I don't know. And then that's, that's the, that's the answer is that he doesn't know. It's weird that like by, by leaving him off on giving the logical explanations and then just stopping there, I think that's where that's where it makes it sort of confusing where it's just like, wait, so what am I supposed to think about it then? Like exactly. What are we supposed to walk away thinking? Because I feel like it leaves us in a place where Spider-Man kind of just looks like an idiot. Yeah, because it's like it looks like he's just in denial about what was obviously happening when she was literally flashing cat eyes at him. Yeah. Causing him to like electrocute himself. It's just like I think that there's a way that you could play all of that and make it just be like. Was it was was he just sort of like was it self sabotage and he just like psyched himself out and made bad things happen? I agree, but but you know it, it doesn't really land like that. It's like yeah. very explicitly that's her power for a while, and he's in denial about it up until the end, where it's just like nope, logically this is all what happened, and then it's just like yeah. I like I like the idea of it being ambiguous, and it sort of like ends up being accidentally ambiguous because none of it makes any sense. I, but like what what they <laughs> I think I that they could have landed with I it being ambiguous. I think they accidentally make it unambiguous, which is so frustrating. But it doesn't to me. make sense in the context of the episode. That's why I think it's ambiguous. Is that like he offers all these logical explanations that only make sense in this very specific scenario, and it only half make half makes sense in the scenario. It doesn't line up with anything that we've seen in the entire episode up until the car thing that's what i think makes it ambiguous i don't think that they're clear enough on that that's that i see what you're saying they're trying to say i see what you're saying i I get you i get you yeah which only makes it more frustrating yeah it's like they're almost there (laughs) i like the idea that's why i like where they land in concept i don't think that it makes any sense and ultimately they don't technically really land there i guess but i like what they're trying to do with it it's just like there's it's it's weirdly messy in a way that it didn't really need to be because I like I like the idea of keeping it ambiguous of is it is it her power or not or at the very least making it clear that like but no it was her power and Peter is just in denial about it <laughs> huh but the her power isn't what's ambiguous right, right right or 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 like if if you wanted to make her power clear which they clearly wanted to because they were then make it clear that like Peter is either confused about it or that he is in de- that clearly he is in denial about it. Either way, you know, at least we can tell where you're going with it. Yeah. Or how I'm supposed to feel with it. And in this case, it's sort of like, I don't know. It's so weird. It's so weird. It, I don't know. I, I, I look forward to Black Cat returning because I want to see how they further explore this. And I, I would be shocked not to see her again, especially given, you know, what happens next. Yeah, sure. What happens next is... As Black Cat is being cuffed by a couple of police officers that have showed up on the scene, Spidey opens the trunk of the stolen car and finds the checklist on Black Cat's phone and all the items she stole, right? So he sees the V-252 in there and grabs it because that's the only thing that he really cares about. Um, So he swings away, not before 
trying really, really hard to come up with a cat pun. Can't come up with it. And then, like, the best one he can come up with it is, she's catty. I actually think that's kind of funny because it's clearly meant to not be good. And the cops literally facepalm at it with all of the cat puns he just, like, throws out that are all just horrific. Actually, on point with that. I like that a lot. But anyway, yeah, Spidey swings away with the V-252. And before we can kind of cut away from that scene, Black Cat, of course, flashes her cat eyes in the back of a cop car. Ooh. So I think the assumption is obviously that she is not taken to prison <laughs> and that we will see her again. Yeah, she's going to escape. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> How? I don't know, but she will. Yep, yep, yep. So at Horizon High, Peter arrives to Dr. Octavius' class just as it's letting out, and he attempts to turn in his project. But without even looking at it, Octavius gives Peter an F. Which Peter's like, no, 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 not an F. This is a tracer. It is cool. And Octavius is like, look, if you wanted me to even consider your project, you should have arrived in time to turn it in. It's an F. And he leaves. <laughs> Damn. Yep. <laughs> Damn. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Well, yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I, it sucks, but I'm not surprised. You know what's funny, though? What? Otto Octavius always walks around with like a backpack so he like has this moment of like being a really really tough teacher and being like it's an f show up on time period fuck off Mm -hmm. and then he like bends down to grab his backpack and like walks away (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why that's so funny but it just like it feels like a very intentional choice to have him always carrying a backpack just to like highlight how young he is (laughs) yeah yeah and i just i dig it i dig it too I dig it too. Well, overhearing this conversation, Anya and Miles approach Peter. Anya is like freaking out because they are technically like in a group. So she's worried that Peter's failing grade on his project uh, might affect their group average. Peter, of, of course, assures her like, no, it won't. This is this is all 100 percent a Peter Parker problem. Um, she notices a bruise on Peter's arm, which is, like, very conspicuous in this scene. She's like, ooh, that looks gross. You should go see the nurse about that. And then she tells him, what good is a brain if you don't take care of the body it's in? Damn, Anya. Yeah. You tell him. Yeah. Drag him, girl. Every scene you're in. <laughs> so we do end up cutting to the nurse's office, which actually surprised me. I did not think Peter would actually go to the nurse. Yeah. But he does. <laughs> And he gets bandaged up and they're having like a cute little chat about black cats and Halloween and stuff Mm -hmm. when they're interrupted by the kid who high-fived Raymond. And the nurse calls him out as Alexi. This is where we learn that this is Alexi uh, and asks him what's wrong. He presents the hand that he high-fived with, which is now red and irritated. And he says, my hand won't stop itching. Ugh. Ugh. What? It's gross. So here I thought like, I thought Raymond Warren's thing just ended up being like an anticlimactic little like hand buzzer prank. Yeah. And it actually is going to turn into something real fucked up. Yep. It also makes me wonder. I said I was going to I was going to revisit this. Clearly he wanted to do damage to Max. Uh-huh. But then what like was he fine then just doing it to Peter instead like that made him feel better? Yep, we're going to find out. <laughs> also, if if this is if if and I don't know if this is the thing that results in Alexi turning into Rhino, or requiring something that makes him into Rhino, would that have been the trajectory for Max? Right, that's my thing. Max's Rhino is such an interesting prospect. 
<laughs> unless the high five was so – I mean, it is. You're right. It definitely is. But unless, like, the fact that Alexi only high-fived and presumably Max would have held Raymond's hand, I wonder if it's one of those things where it's like, you didn't get the full blast. I don't know. We'll find out. And I still wonder, like, why would you Why would you do that to Peter then? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of questions. Maybe we'll get answers. Very interested to see where that goes. Well, the episode ends with Peter returning the V-252 to its containment unit and hoping to himself that his bad luck is finally behind him. As he turns to leave the lab, back reflected in the canister, the black liquid forms a hand and very creepily scratches inside of the glass. Which I think yes. is cool and cre- very cool and creepy, actually. I like the way that they animate that. Um, I do too. I actually was really surprised. Mm-hmm. I like double took. I went, I like rewound because I was like, did that hand look as good as I thought it did? And it yeah. did. It's almost like it's kind of out of character for the show, like how well animated that one little hand is because it's very fluid. Uh-huh. Like it's literally a fluid. So I'd hope uh-huh. so. But like it's very, uh, it's very fluidly done. It's great. So yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> Before we get into the obvious conversation, sure. I just want to point one thing out because sure. once we, once we once we pop the venom canister, we're not going to stop. So, <laughs> I really just love this is more of an appreciation thing than a like discussion point. I really like that Peter says, "I hope my bad luck is behind me," <laughs> and then he turns around and as he's walking away, behind him, the black liquid clearly indicates that it is the symbiote oh my god that didn't even think about that his bad luck is literally behind yes. him it That's is surprisingly so poetic i mean the show the show is not poorly written but i wouldn't describe it as poetic yeah or at least very often yeah sometimes it is sometimes it does like echoing and parallels and stuff but this is like very poetic mm-hmm. <laughs> and i just like it i thought it was neat especially because they show him reflected in the canister where the goo is starting to like formulate very yeah. cool. Very good choice. Good Very choice. Very good choice. Very good choice. All right, Venom. Yeah, it's um, or at least symbiote. It's literally episode five, and they're introducing it, which is like I don't know. Doesn't it feel weird? I don't know. It feels, yes and no. It, it feels yes early, no. but it's also like everybody knows who Venom is. It's not like it's a novel thing anymore. So like, why not get it out of the way early? I guess I don't know. Well, I don't know. Uh, see, that's the thing. I feel like it's sort of. Um, it's sort of a dilemma I feel like they probably face, right? Like, they know they're going to get to Venom, but they also know that people want Venom. And so it's like, yeah, we'll do Venom, but how long can we make people wait for it before they're like, come on, and like pounding their silverware on the table for Venom? You know what I mean? So I'm, I think it's early, but I'm also not surprised. I feel like other shows we've watched have also done it early, uh, or at least earlier than I would have expected. I think at this point, it's probably just more accurate for us to expect Venom to happen quickly and it to be sort of an anomaly or at least an exception for a show to make us wait. Yeah, I guess it's it's a weird situation because it's like Venom is one of like the big three villains for Spider-Man. So like they want to have him in there, but his backstory is tied into... If you're going to do, like, a typical Venom story, it's going to be tied into Peter Parker having, like, a dark character, or like, a dark Peter character arc, essentially, to then set up Venom as the supervillain. So, like, and it, I think what makes it feel weird is that, like, that requires Peter to 
like I feel like for Peter to go through a dark Peter character arc or whatever you would call that, right? I think like it feels like you need to have some t- a significant amount of time with like typical good Peter Parker getting to know this that version of him before you get to like a personality changed Peter Parker and to make it feel significant is I think what's weird. So it's sort of like you have to introduce it early because you want Venom in there, but you also have to have this particular arc for Peter that doesn't feel like it makes sense until you had spent a, a good amount of time with him. So I don't know. It's sort of like a weird catch 22 for it, I guess. Well, and I expect that, I mean, based on the little we have so far, like Peter has like one, two connections. Mm-hmm. So like it being this early in this show, I feel like we almost can predict how this is going to manifest. Like yeah. it's probably going to result in him being extra shitty to Harry. That would be my number one guess. Mm-hmm. Number two guess is that it makes him sort of a shitty pupil to Max. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, but really aside from that, like what he's a, bad study partner to Anya and Miles. <laughs> he already he's is. already that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. He's a buffoon in front of Gwen. He's already that. You know? So like I, I, I think it's one of the things that's frustrating about introducing it into this show this early is he's not connected to that many people yet. So like you kind Good of point. can expect what that dark story is going to be. Which doesn't mean it's going to be bad, but it's nice to be sort of surprised or not be able to predict things. So the other thing that I think this is a general Venom thing. I do think the thing that is weird about Venom as a villain is once Venom is there, even if he's not fully Venom Eddie Brock, like once Venom is on the show, he is on the show. He's not like a Dr. Octopus. He's not like a Green Goblin where you can introduce the characters that will become them and have them actively a part of the show before they manifest as a villain. Once Venom and the symbiote is there, like there's no like oh, this is the cute version of the symbiote that hasn't gone bad yet. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Otto could be in this show for two whole seasons for all we know, and then become a, a, you know, that's not really a great example. Herman would be a better example. Herman could be in the show for two whole seasons before he becomes Shocker, you know, and he could just be there sort of inert. Um, yeah. You can't do that with Venom. So it's like weird because you can't seed him in the way that you can seed other characters or you can't roll with him or build up to him yeah. in the same way. You can do it, but you can't do it the same way. Yeah. Or you can, you know, you can seed it in the way that they've done here where it's like a science project, but you can only keep it as black goo in a container for so long before it's like, we'll just pull the fucking trigger, like, and let him be on Spider-Man's suit. Like, come on, you know? Right. <laughs> right. And that's the thing is people want it and they know people want it. So how long can you make people wait? You can make people wait as long as you want for Doc Ock if you really want to. I'll be pissed, but at least Otto's there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and Venom doesn't have a great track record for being, like, forced into stories. Like, um, look, we love Topher Grace's Venom, but he was definitely, like, that was that's a major criticism of that movie that I went into in my Spider-Man 3 video that I made, a, like, a year or two ago. That it's sort of, like, the thing that broke that movie was trying, it made sense for Venom to be in that movie, ultimately. Like, the way that the themes were, like, it would have been weird if they did that, did the movie with those particular themes without Venom, but... Forced, kind of forcing him in there and re- retrofitting the story to make the symbiote thing worked kind of sort of broke that movie a little bit. So, like, I, you know, I, I, I don't yeah. know. It's, no, I get you. I get you. It's, it's the reason for concern, even if it doesn't always manifest in the way you're most worried about, right? Because yeah. it doesn't always. I think Spectacular introduces it earlier than I would have expected, but it, it doesn't rush anything. 
You yeah, it I mean? also I think I think Spectacular had had the benefit of doing it as a season finale too. And so so it added a lot more weight to it, even though it happened kind of sooner than you'd expect. It's sort of like at least like sort of justified justified it in, in it being like, well, this is what the whole season is leading up to at least. So like, I don't know. It feels it still feels different than being episode five of the first season of a show, you know. Yeah. Um, and granted, it's episode five that it's introduced. We don't know at what point all this is going to actually like you know, coalesce into well, anything. So. And that's, I mean, that's what I've been talking about this whole time. Just the introduction yeah. of the possibility. Sure. And I think, you know, at all the shows we've covered, I think that include Venom with the exception of Marvel disc wars. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like introduce yeah. Venom pretty quickly. Um, if not as Venom, you know, hosted on Eddie Brock, just the symbiote, you know, the, the other, it, it'll just be interesting to see how this one handles it. Given that it is earlier than some, um, and the other ones all typically, with the exception of Spider-Man Unlimited, which is a different case, they all figure out a way to draw it out. So, like, the 90s show introduces Venom, and then they completely back off of it. You know what I mean? And yeah. then re reintroduce Venom. Is that the greatest way to do it? No, but it at least, like, it gives you longevity in a certain way. Spectacular Spider-Man does a different thing, but still gives itself opportunity for longevity. I'm sure this show will do something that will allow Venom to constantly be a presence if they wanted him to be but i'm very curious to see what it'll be because this is like god what the fifth version of venom i mean we have not covered any show that isn't pre-venom that hasn't gotten to venom already (laughs) unlimited started with venom that's true 90s show introduces him first season spectacular introduces him first season this show is introducing him first season and marvel disc wars only has one season you know what i mean yeah and i guess when i think about it like even the the 90s show the first venom iteration like it was what, like episode eight that the alien costume happened. So it's like still. That was also earlier than I thought. I re- yeah. I didn't remember it happening so soon. Yeah. So I guess it's almost. Yeah, you're right. It's like part of the course for it to happen pretty early. It would honestly shows. be weird if it didn't. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why we feel the way we do, but I'm glad that both of us felt that way because yeah. there's clearly some validity to it. But the record does not show that our our huh. thinking it as early is valid. <laughs> so, and I think in Ultimate Spider-Man, I think I think Venom gets introduced pretty early too. So like, I, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, why? Yeah, that's such a weird like cognitive dissonance thing that it's like that's literally never what's happened in reality, and yet we're just like, it's too early. And it's like, it's not actually, it's normal. Maybe because it feels like such a big boss. It's such an impending doom that you feel like you're supposed to build up to it more when that's not actually the case. Yeah. It, it feels like, yeah, it's, it feels like it's a, it, Venom is a bigger boss. It feels like it's so intricately tied in with Peter's psyche and his life and his personal life. So it feels like there needs to be a lot set up to make Venom work. And it doesn't need to be like that. It actually hasn't been like that in in many cases. So, you know what I want? What? <laughs> and I people will hate this. I would like to see a Spider-Man show that doesn't do Venom. I just want to see what would happen. I just want to see what would happen. Hmm. We've had every show since Venom was introduced use Venom. Yeah. Or, or here, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. I would like to see a show that avoids doing Eddie Brock Venom. And I know Marvel Disc Wars did that, but that's a very different case. Uh, uh, from the little I know, the little I saw of Ultimate Spider-Man, I don't know if they... All right, bring it on. Do, actually. I don't remember. I, I do, remember Venom as a part of it, but I don't remember how it happened. I only watched, like, the maybe the first half of the first season, so, like, not that much of it. And Venom is in that, and he's not Eddie Brock in that show. Oh! Oh! You remember? I just remembered. I you just remember? remembered. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. That'll all right. I'm suddenly just a little bit more excited to get to ultimate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Great. Cool. The universe is already delivered. Yep. <laughs> I'm so glad you reminded me of that. Ooh, yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah. So there okay. you go. You got you got your you got your wish answer. We're just doing without... things out of order. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Because yeah. I just you know like there's there's a part of me that's like. I don't know, like, it sounds stupid, but, like, worried that, I don't know, are these creators not allowed to not do Venom in a in a somewhat conventional way? Like, obviously, all of them have done them differently, but typically, although now you have reminded me. <laughs> um, yes, this is kind of a return to form in, in a way, actually. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess, which, which makes sense, because a lot of what the show is a return to form in response to Ultimate, so yeah. that makes sense. But that was the reason I brought that up. Now, not as concerned because the show immediately preceding this addresses what I was <laughs> concerned about. But That's like, so funny. it's funny that I forgot that even having watched it. But um, I guess I'm just in full 2017 mode. But but yeah, I don't even know what my train of thought was. I was just I don't know. I just, you know, I like Venom. I just don't want creators to feel like they are like have their hands tied. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Venom's cool, so they're probably all eager to write Venom stories anyway. And I think, yeah, people. I think people like Eddie Brock Venom too, because it's like bodybuilder, angry man as Venom. Like it's just, yeah, there's just plenty, plenty, plenty of. If you're a writer on a show, it's just fun to write that. I think so. There's so many cool Venom stories you can tell though that aren't that. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see what this show does. Who knows? I know. The show literally has a season called Maximum Venom. I feel like we're going to be getting some different Venom stories. True. So like, oh, uh, <laughs> so true. No matter what they do here, we're gonna get a whole season called Maximum Venom. You're right. Yeah. So you know, you know. Oh, fun fact, because uh-huh. I looked this up to check it. V two fifty two, the black suit first appeared in Amazing Spider Man number two fifty two. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I forgot to look that up. It's such a like distinct number that I was yeah. sure it meant something, but I, that was the first thing I looked up. I was just like, I'm gonna look up Venom first appearance. Up oh, black suit. All right, cool. Makes yeah. so much sense. Clever and cute. I get it. It's very, you know. I, wow, they were only at 252 issues at that point. That's kind of wild to think about. I mean, I guess it's been. It would only have been like 20 shit. years since Spider-Man. It was, it was in the 80s. So like 20 Oh, my God. That's that. right. Isn't that weird? Oh, my God. Yeah. Spider-Man came out in Because it would have been about 40 years I since then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels like it was so much more recent than that. You know, like it's closer to Spider-Man being created as a character than it is oh to us living God. right now. How weird that is, that is a thing I've never thought about because you're right. I, I, Venom is always something I have thought about as being more recent than not. Yeah. But that's not true. Yeah. Weird. Holy shit. Weird. Very I guess weird. that's just perpetually like our state of mind is the 80s will always feel less long ago than they were. Mm-hmm. Yep. Damn. Okay. Getting older, I guess. <laughs> All sorts of weird little venom detours, but that's what I I, I said <laughs> once we started. It was going to be hard to stop. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's put the cap on the V two fifty two for now because this Beautiful. episode is already extremely Very long. long. Um, <laughs> face of the episode. <laughs> two faces of the episode. Um, when Peter is just being the shittiest friend imaginable, and he's like stuffing his face with a sandwich. The face that Perry has is perfect it's exactly what it should be um it's kind of it's a weird because his mouth is drawn in a very bizarre shape but uh i get what it conveys and that's him just being kind of unsettled by the terrible way peter is acting yeah it's like each episode has it not a ton of these moments but usually at least one moment where they focus on like one very specific expression 
Mm-hmm. That doesn't look like any other expression, and this yep. is that moment. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like a human expression, but it also conveys a lot of emotions. So no, this is human. I could do this. <laughs> you can make your mouth into that shape. I don't know. <laughs> sure, you can. I think you could. I, guess so. I feel like I'm doing it right now. I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the other face that I liked, I made it a gif. It's just Max's eyebrow raise. It's great, and particularly at Peter, like. It was, oh, I know what it was. It was when Peter was like, here, kitty, kitty, to his GPS tracker when he was trying to repair it. And Max is like, what? And Peter's like, I doing these interviews makes me giddy, giddy. And Max is like, wow. And then he does the eyebrow raise, and it's great. And I probably just like looking at Max Modell. Uh, that's probably the reason that I, that I, that I gift that. But uh, that's the world we live in. I, I almost requested a gif. But I thought if Derek makes a GIF, the chances that he'll make the exact one I am requesting is pretty high. So I'll just let it, I'll let fate decide. This wasn't the one I was expecting. Oh, what was the GIF that you wanted to do? I figured if you were going to make a GIF of any moment of Max Modell in this episode, it would be the one of him sipping coffee. <laughs> That's a good Feels one. It was like a, a very GIFable moment. <laughs> it is a good one. I think I just uh, am into the eyebrow raise in general, probably is what it is, is so... Uh, what I learned about myself tonight. So Okay. <laughs> I'm glad that you could have this moment of self-discovery. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You could have still put the coffee. We could, just could have been a Maxmodo gift party. You could have freely put that in there if you wanted to. I don't know how to make a GIF. Well, I do, but it's, I don't know. You crank them out real quick, and I feel like I fumble over my entire computer doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of practice. <laughs> I made like one GIF one time and was like, I don't need to do that ever again. <laughs> I this have, was hard. I have my ways. <laughs> I have my ways. Learn from the master. Yeah. Okay. God, we had talked so much about this episode. Like we talked a lot about general the show stuff. This this episode ended up being like a, a sort of microcosm of like our feelings on this show in general uh, in a way uh, for some reason. But I, well, I think the first handful of episodes we're figuring out what the show is. And I think that's why these episodes have all been longer. I mean, I think all these episodes have been longer than I expected. That's true. Be. Yep. And that's yep. Not, I'm not even digging at the show. Like, uh, just even liking the show and feeling like there's plenty to talk about, I still feel like all of these have ended up longer. Because yeah. we keep going on, like, big tangents about what the show is. <laughs> Which I'm fine with. I hope listeners are fine with it. It's an interesting – yeah, I'm definitely – you know, when we when we went into doing this show, before I'd watched any of it, I was like, I don't know, you know, what kind of show this is going to be, like, how much conversation we'll get out of it, we'll have to see. And even watching it, I was just sort of like, okay, you know, we'll just cover this like a normal Spidey show. There's definitely – I'm very surprised by, like, how deep that we've gotten with this one, not even so much for because of the content, but just because of, like, the pl- the space that it occupies as a cartoon in you know in the current era of cartoons and like the yeah. very particular things that it's doing and also not doing i don't know it's just it's been a lot of like larger context conversations that i wasn't expecting about animation in general in some ways and it's fun yeah and i don't i don't think i don't think our, uh, the rest of our coverage will be like that i think this yeah. is specifically a product of us figuring out what the show is i think so too. and where it sits <laughs> i think so too well <laughs> I don't have a good transition. So <laughs> we're done talking about this episode. But if you would like to hear us talk about other things, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash walloping web snappers, where we have all kinds of good stuff starting at just $1 a month. And we've had that Patreon for quite a while now. So there's actually 
quite a bit of content that you would get immediately if you joined even at just the $1 tier. So check that out. See if you like it. In the meantime, if you would like to check out what Derek and I are doing individually, you can find us all over the place. Derek, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on YouTube under my video essay series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media from a positive lens. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can find me on another podcast here on the 4 Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast, where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. And if you are into books and video games, you can check out a podcast called Novel Gaming, where my friends Katie and Vicky and I will pick a book every month to talk about and also catch up on everything that we are playing video game-wise and sometimes sprinkle in some stuff we are watching and thinking about. If you would like more from Derek and me, check out our monthly podcast, Falling With Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where we watch every Pixar film chronologically. Our episode on Finding Nemo is out now, and it is an incredible conversation. Yeah. Um, and you- it is really good. I'm really, really happy with that episode. So I hope you check that out. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find it on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com, where we archive everything that we are making together. Um, and we categorize it so you can find everything very easily. If you wanted only to listen to all of our discussion on Spider-Man Unlimited, because we mentioned that this time around, you can find it all together right there. Um, on that beautiful website, wallopingwebsnappers.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wallopingwebpod or email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts, really. But the big ones are best because if you like what we're doing here, somebody else will too. And those ratings and those reviews help people find us. It makes us more visible. So thank you in advance for doing that. Next week... <laughs> here we go here's our answer next <laughs> week rhino wreaks havoc at a school dance in the episode party animals woo, 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 woo. party see ya there see ya. Sorry, I read all this fucking wrong. Okay. Yeah, dude. <laughs> wow. Butchered the shit out of that. Okay. Let me let me start over.